Ladies and gentlemen, they call me Captain Genocide. It's more efficient. For this is a Fred the Alien Productions podcast. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> it's the episode that we talk about genocide. Yay! <laughs> oh, jeez, no. Uh, cue music. I don't know what we're yelling about! We came, we saw, we kicked its ass. Finished. Finished. Are you telling me you built a time machine? Kind of a DeLorean? The way I see it, if you're going to build a time machine into a car, why not do it with some style? Who is this? What's your operating number? Morning conversation anyway. Hello, hi. Hello. Hello. I'm Kendall Richardson. I'm a Fulia Kantermaje. And a Ravager never flies solo. Margulista. <laughs> Damn straight. And you are now experiencing a podcast called Fred. Yeah. Experiencing it through the optimum of your ears and not your nose, eyes, or teeth. The human holes. <laughs> the human holes. <laughs> Plenty of human holes. So much to choose from. Otherwise known as orifices. So, welcome to <laughs> welcome to the show. Uh, thanks for tuning in uh, again this week. Um, lots of cool things to talk about. I'm very excited to get stuck into it. But first, we must check in with our weekly watchings. Fulia. Yes. Uh, so I, I actually did a little bit of watching this week. Um, I ended up watching, uh, I finally ended up watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine's episodes. <laughs> yes, girl. I'm only up, I'm only up to three, so I haven't watched number four yet. Okay, that's um, all right. I of the new season. Um, but I did manage to squeeze in the third one. Um, and I'll watch the fourth one soon. Uh, I also managed to watch a movie that I have had on my watch list for a while. I finally watched The King's Speech. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, It was was really cool to see. I hadn't, like, I had no idea that that the king actually had a speech impediment. And it's just like, yeah, it was really, it was really interesting. And the fact that he had to go through all the, training so that he could so he so that his stammer wouldn't come through as prominently when he did his speeches and all that sort of stuff mm. it was hilarious to also see him swear because yeah. you know the royalty never swears no. <laughs> not in public not in public <laughs> and yeah. jeffrey rush did such a great job yeah I, he, he was awesome. he's so good I loved I loved his role. It was it was so cool to see him as the the trainer um for the king, which I would have been like, holy crap, I'm training the king. This is like ah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he gave zero fucks. He was just like, right, let's We're equals. Yeah. He's like, right, this Bertie, is how it's gonna let's, go. Let's fucking go, all right? Yeah. Let's. Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah, it was so good. And the fact that he just, you know, that he was an Australian living in England also was really cool as well with his with his family who were also Australian. Mm. Um, <laughs> so that was really interesting for me. So I did enjoy the King's speech um, and I'm glad that I finally got around to it. 
Um, I also uh, watched through a very short anime series called Koro Sensei Quest, which is essentially Assassination Classroom condensed into 10-minute episodes uh, by 12. So 12 episodes of 10 minutes each. And they decided to go with a D&D route with this one. So it's essentially the same story, but a lot shorter and more easier to consume. <laughs> is it like is it like when Dragon Ball Z did the Kai thing and like kind- reimagined it without all the filler and the epic boss? Like, mm. I'm conjuring this spirit bomb for five episodes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know. Kind of like, like that, but they put a D&D spin on it. And they made the anime style look more like the characters are chibi rather oh, than cute. rather than actual full characters like anime characters. Yeah, which was really really cool. Uh, and yeah, it was just a it was just a really really short version of telling the same story essentially. That's all it was. Yeah, and I got every reference of it, and it made sense to me. And all the characters are still the same. And the way they're being introduced is really cool. I like the fact that they decided to do it in a bit of a, in a bit of a different style rather than going, all right, let's just do the same thing, but shorter without changing anything else. I like the fact that they changed the style of the anime characters. I like the way that they went D and D in terms of like very medieval type looking characters and all that sort of stuff. Uh, so it was, it was still a lot of fun. To watch, and awesome. I highly recommend it if you would like to get a sense of what Assassination Classroom is all about. <laughs> mm. It's not as emotional as the real series, so um, you can actually watch that without having to get too emotional about it. So yeah, definitely recommend seeing Koro Sensei Quest. Uh, and yeah, just been continuing on my binge on uh, on according to Jim. I am now up to season six out of eight, so I am almost there. And uh, yeah, I think that's about it. That's that's been my weekly watchings. Michael, what have you been watching? Well, I haven't really been watching stuff like at all, except except for of course uh, what ifs, uh, the two what ifs, of course. But we'll be talking about them later. Spoilers. And there's not much to do on Friday anymore. So, my Fridays are free. Uh, But funnily enough, um, for some weird coincidence or reason, I don't know, um, I I made... I I didn't make her. I I wasn't sure if she liked it or not. But I got my daughter watching Spider-Man for the first time. Uh, Yeah. On on, uh, Disney Plus, there's like a a children's Spider-Man Thing. Oh, I think I've seen it. Yeah, yeah, it's come. It's popped up on my end a couple of times. Yeah, there's only like three episodes so far, and a remo- and it's it's heavily taken from from uh, PJ Mask because there's three Spider Men. Uh, there, there's a uh, Gwen Stacy, there's Peter Parker, and there's also also um, Miles Morales as well. And mm. and and <laughs> for some reason, she she wants to watch them like each day, and there's only three episodes. <laughs> And also, um, we sat down to watch uh, Enter the Spider Verse as well, which yeah, yeah I w- wasn't sure if like if she would like that or not. But she actually sat down and actually watched it, and it's like, wow! I think I got a Spider Man fan happening. <laughs> so so that, that's pretty cool, you know. Get them in early, just like the cigarette company. 
Yeah. <laughs> wow. But, but more good for you. I think. Okay. I think. <laughs> more, more efficient. More efficient. <laughs> you and your efficiency. Mm, when it comes yes. to genocide. <laughs> so that's basically it. Introducing my da- daughter to Spider-Man and what if. Uh, there was another thing. Um, for some reason, um, I forgot to cancel my um, Paramount Plus account, so I've got it for. Oh, whoops! Yeah, whoops! I got it for another month. Damn! Uh, just watching Rocco's Modern Life, Cat Dog, and all the other <laughs> stuff. Fuck yeah! But I was nice. having, awesome. having a look at the movies, and there, there's one particular movie that I haven't seen, and um, I didn't watch it as a kid. It was it was The Witches, um, or The Witch. Uh, the Roald Dahl one. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it's the, witch- the Witches. So are you talking about the OG one with Angelica Houston? Yes, that one. I haven't, oh, se- it's, I, it's I haven't seen the uh, Anne Hathaway one. No. Yeah. That's going to be on uh, Netflix soon, that one. Yeah, I haven't seen that one either. Yeah. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll watch that as well. Because I've read like half of the book because uh, because uh, we were trying to read Zelda, like Roald Dahl, some, some stuff. But only got like halfway. And she just lost interest, and so did I. Um, and uh, yeah, I watched it. and I thought, "Wow, I, I can sort of see why it's scarred a lot of kids." Because even I was going, yeah. "Wow, this is some Sam Raimi shit." Yeah, <laughs> it's like, "Wow, the pub- the puppetry in this is really good, and the special effects, and and how and how pretty much every angle is a Dutch angle, and." I don't know. Yeah. I, I I don't know who um, directed it, but sort of well done. It's it's definitely definitely um, it's definitely good. And yeah, when the Anne Hathaway one comes out on Netflix, I'll probably watch that as well. And and compare to pair. Compare to pair. Compare to pair. Mm. Same uh, same super animation, same super contribution. <laughs> yes. His lows are his fees are higher. His fees are lower. <laughs> <laughs> Only Australians um, know that. <laughs> Alienating uh, all you Americans. All of the Americans. So I just I googled it, um, or I IMDb'd it rather. Yeah. Uh, Nicholas Roeg. Um, he was the director of The Witches. Um, he also did. Uh, Don't Look Now, which is a horror film from the early 70s with Donald Sutherland in it. <laughs> um, and he directed the Australian film Walkabout. Oh, ooh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's got some cred to his name. Maybe I should have known that. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah, it kind of looks like a, a PG version of a Cronenberg movie, in a way. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> yeah, I, I, when you said Sam Raimi, I was like... Oh, yeah, kind of Cronenberg-esque too. Yeah, more Cronenberg, more or less. Yeah. But with yeah. sort of um, Sam Raimi humour. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, so I was actually quite surprised. It was like, uh, I'm actually glad I didn't watch it as a kid. But Dark Crystal <laughs> fucked me up as a kid, so. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> there you go. What about you, Kendall? Nice. Were you fucked up as a kid? <laughs> <laughs> um... Can you tell? (laughs) 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 Uh, Well, I did watch The Witches um, 
yeah, I don't remember when I saw it the f- for the first time, if I was in primary school still or if I was in high school. I honestly don't remember when I watched it originally. But it's still my favourite Roald Dahl book. Like, I read it religiously when I was in school. I loved it. Just because I loved anything about witches, really. Mm. Um, mm. And yeah, the, the 1990 version is such a good adaptation of the source material, I think. Um, so, I'm excited to watch the uh, the recent version. To see how it stacks up, so, um, but hopefully, good. We'll find out. Um, yeah, my weekly watchings. Speaking of witches, um, I <laughs> last Monday was a shit day <laughs> because that, that's when we found our lockdown was being extended by two more weeks. Um, and um, yeah, so I ended up deciding to go home that night and I rewatched my favorite season of American Horror Story, which is um, Apocalypse season eight, because um, it stars one of my favorite uh, actors, um, Cody Fern. I love him. Um, he's very good in it. So I, yeah, I basically Monday night watched half of it uh, and then. Tuesday on my day off, I watched the rest of it. Um, so I got through that pretty quickly because it's only ten episodes. Uh, holds up on a rewatch. It's it's like three, almost three years old now, and it's still. I'm like, this is fucking good shit. So that was a nice little comfort watch for me. Uh, I also watched the um, the Night Stalker documentary series on Netflix um, about Richard Ramirez, a serial killer. Because um, I I had I remember people were telling me to watch that. Uh, a while ago, um, uh, and because I don't mind the occasional true crime doco, so that was really interesting. Um, and what else have I watched? Um, yeah, Brooklyn Nine Nine, of course, just to lighten the mood a bit. Brooklyn Nine Nine. Um, I watched episodes three and four, and they were very, very good. Uh, just constantly laughing my ass off. It's just, <laughs> it's just so good. It really is. It's yeah. I'm sad it's about to finish because it's yeah. just, it's so funny. It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, so good. Um, yeah, and there was no Rick and Morty this week because Rick and Morty's on hiatus for a couple more weeks, uh, which is disappointing. But that's all right. Something to look forward to. Um, and then yeah, the other other cool things I watched were um, uh, courtesy of the lovely Christina. Um, Hi, Christina. We- <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Christina. <laughs> I watched uh, two of Maz Mickelson's movies during the week. Um, one was in his native uh, Denmark, uh, and the other one was uh, like an American European sort of co production film. So I watched uh, The Hunt. Um, which is the Danish one, and that was that won the the Oscar for best foreign language film back in like 2012-2013. That was really good, really confronting, and I'd I'd probably tell Mike not to watch it because it involves um, kids and parents and badness happening. Um, It's fucking good, though. (laughs) Um, It's fucking good. I I really liked it. Um, and, uh, and then, yeah, the other film was a complete 180 from that. Uh, it was called The Necessary Death of Charlie Countryman, uh, which was made around the same time, 2012, uh, 2013-ish era. Um, yeah, and that one, um, has, uh, Shia LaBeouf and, uh, Evan Rachel Wood in it. And, um, that was a really spontaneous kind of movie because, like, Shia LaBeouf's character literally decides to, 
uh, well, he can, I don't know if he can kind of talk to ghosts, but it's kind of implied, but I feel like it's kind of open to interpretation, but his dead mother basically tells him to go to Bucharest, um, in Romania. Um, and he just does. And then the movie just unfolds from there. Um, it was crazy and awesome. And I really, I really enjoyed it. Um, Michael. Are you sure his uh, dead mother didn't tell him to kill all the, um, uh, counselors at Crystal Lake. <laughs> kill them. Kill. Um, kill them, mummy. Kill them. Well, I mean, that, that's implied, I think. Um, you know, go to Bucharest. You know, you're going to kill some some camp counselors. <laughs> it's just going to happen. You know, if a dead mum's telling you anything, she doesn't have to say. She's like, you're going to Bucharest and you know what you're doing when you get there. <laughs> um, Running for me life at Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> Actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> Never gets old. Um, but yeah, so I had a good week of watching a lot of different things. Um, yeah, lovely, lovely times had by all. All right. Speaking of lovely things, uh, let's crack into the nerdy news, shall we? Yes. This is the news in nerdy news. The nerds that talk about the nerdy news. That is us who talk about the news that is nerdy. And now the queen of nerdydom, the hostess with most s, Kendall Richardson. Take it away, Kendall. It's nerdy news time. <laughs> Ooh, here we go. So, really cool Marvel news this week. Uh, but again... Similar to the Emma Stone casting uh, in Cruella 2, this is the biggest no-brainer ever. Um, Foregone conclusion, if you will. Anthony Mackie has officially, officially signed on to play Sam Wilson as Captain America. Captain America 4. It's finally happening, officially. Uh, Really, really cool. So not Falcon. Well, I mean, he's not Falcon anymore. He's Captain America. Oh, spoilers. I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> <laughs> sorry? Not sorry. I guess. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, any of you guys listening, you're, you're, you'll have seen Falcon and the Soldier. So. I don't listen to sorry. the podcast, no. Okay. <laughs> I'm I'm sorry. Um yeah, anyway, foregone conclusion, Anthony Mackie, Captain America 4. Um fantastic news to to see this locked in and confirmed. However, we still don't have a release date or window for when this is coming out. Um you know, there's rumblings about these newer projects that are being developed as things have already been developed around and moved around and scheduling and all this stuff. Um, yeah, because I saw a rumor this week that Loki may not air until 2024 and I nearly cried. So, <laughs> Oh, no. Yeah, I know. It's, uh, I got sad, but it's not confirmed. Um, however, we will likely not see Captain America 4 until probably 2023 at the earliest. Uh, which is a shame, um, but it'll be worth the wait. Uh, of course, uh, previously announced Malcolm Spellman is on board to write the screenplay, which is uh, fantastic because he was the head writer, of course, for Falcon and the Winter Soldier. 
um, along with one of the staff writers, Dallin Musson. Um, they're going to be writing that screenplay together. There's no director yet either. Um, so they'll be looking for a director soon um, as well. But yeah, yeah, good things are afoot. Um, Fulia, are you excited for Cap 4? I was ready for this. <laughs> yeah. I was ready for this news. I was like, there's going to be a Captain America 4. Anthony Mackie is going to be headlining it. No questions asked. <laughs> 100%. So I am not surprised, but I am very, very happy and excited for it. Um, you know, it's it's going to be really interesting to see where their story continues now that we know what's happened at the end of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I'm just really, really hanging in to see, um, you know, just the, the continuation of yeah. what we were left with. <laughs> that, yes. that cliffhanger, you know? <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I am looking forward to it. Great. Great, Michael. Yeah. Um, well, the stories that they can do, uh, they can go anywhere, really. Um, especially after Falcon and Winter Soldier. Haha, <laughs> I lied. I did watch it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just so everyone is is clear. Uh, yeah, they can probably pretty much go anywhere with the story, and it, it will be very interesting on. Basically, his uh, first mission, like, well, not first mission, that was uh, the first, that was the TV show, but sort of his first outing as as a Cap- Captain America, and yeah, uh, when you said there was no, uh, there hasn't, there's no director attached to it yet. Uh, for some reason, I thought Jordan Peele, uh, give him a go. I want to see, I want to see him if he does, yeah. if he does uh, an action show, uh, an yeah. action movie. And yeah, and you know, Disney likes to snap snap up like good directors as well. So mm-hmm. that, that's that's going to be you know my pick. And because you got you you got Black Cap, that'll be awesome. And yeah, all for it. Can't wait. <laughs> Two thousand four. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm always twenty years behind. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, more Marvel news uh, this week. Uh, Kevin Feige confirmed to the masses that Riri Williams, Ironheart herself, will be making her debut in Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Hells to the yes. Um, very exciting. We don't really know much more than that. Of course, he didn't really give up any kind of goose on anything specific as to what she's going to be doing. Um, what her role will be, how big, how small. Uh, but it's really, really exciting to see that she's going to be set up here um, before she gets her own series. Because as we, we know, um, Ironheart is going to be a show on Disney Plus down the line. Again, another show they don't have a release date for. It's probably going to be in phase five, I'd imagine. So um, maybe, I don't know if that's going to be a bit of a gap between Wakanda Forever and her show coming out then because of that, but she could pop up anywhere else. Who knows? Um, I think it's very exciting. Uh, Nonetheless, they're filming Black Panther Wakanda forever at the moment. Um, And uh, yeah, what's the name of Dominique Thorne is the name of the actress that was cast as Riri Williams. So 
Um, for those who don't know, um, she's a character created by Marvel back in 2015. She's a genius teenage student that work, uh, that is at MIT, um, and she creates the most advanced suit of armor since uh, Tony Stark, uh, which is pretty cool. So yeah, so I'm I'm stoked about this. Uh, Freaking awesome, getting to see her a bit sooner. Um, Folia, are you excited? I'm really intrigued about this character. Like, I had no idea that she even existed until until I saw the news, and I'm like, "Oh, Ironheart! I need to Google her." <laughs> um, and yeah, it 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 looks really really interesting. Uh, you know, a teenage girl who's just who's gone to MIT and uh, you know creates a suit akin to the Iron Man suit, and <laughs> so I'm just like. I think I want to see this. <laughs> I want to learn more. Um, so, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see um, this character come to life, um, coming out of its uh, comic books and all that sort of stuff. And, yeah, I'm I'm just – I just want to learn more about her. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Nice. Mike, what are your thoughts? Uh, interesting way of how to fit her in because a lot of people were speculating that um, – she have she may have been in that sort of conference, uh, sort of um, like when when Tony was was showing off his uh, virtual reality store stuff in in a uh, in uh, uh, civil, civil war. war. She may have been in the audience, but if they're going to go down this road, it'll probably be more. It'll probably be more fitting because, of course, Tony is no longer with us, so he can't uh, he can't really be a protege. Uh, for for her so um and because Wakanda's Wakandans have got the sort of tech that they they sort of ha- have with their suits so it 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 could be could be more fit, fitting with them because they they're more tech savvy than anything else and it will be interesting if um uh there's sort of a connection with um uh armor wars as well maybe uh, okay. Yeah, maybe. Considering yeah. she she builds a suit herself, uh, she could be mistaken. It's like, oh, you got t- uh, you got uh, Stark Tech. It's like, no, I built this myself. <laughs> Shut up. I'm I'm that good. <laughs> I mean, Fig Jam, me. <laughs> <laughs> and for the people who don't know, Fig Jam is fuck. I'm good. Just ask me. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um. Yeah, nice. Well, I yeah, I just have this image of um, her and uh, Shuri bonding instantly. Yeah, like becoming the besties over their shared love of of technology, um, and just being super smart. So yeah, that's that's gonna be fun. That's gonna be fun. All right, uh, I got some Shang Chi related news because um. The premiere was <laughs> the premiere was this week uh, for Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. It's coming to cinemas very soon. Uh, but the interesting thing is because um, one Ben Kingsley was spotted at the film's premiere, and uh, this kind of rose some eyebrows because you know, for those who are familiar with uh, the MCU, of course, will remember he played the actor. Uh, Trevor Slattery in uh, Iron Man 3, who was, quote-unquote, the Mandarin, uh, but not really. Um, <laughs> my Mandarin. Um, yeah, <laughs> my, my Mandarin. Um, in a hilarious twist that I absolutely adored, but a lot of the hardcore fans hated. 
um, the way they handed the Mandarin reveal in that movie. So um, I'm hoping those people are pleased with Iron Man. With sorry, with Iron Man three. Ugh, that was years ago. Shang Chi. Hope those people are pleased with Shang Chi because uh, we're going to be touching on that obviously in this. Uh, and somehow, yeah, Trevor Slattery is going to be going to be in it. Um, yeah, Ben Kingsley. Basically, someone asked him on the red carpet. And he's like, "Yeah, I'm in it." Like no no Marvel snipers anywhere. He's wow. Just, he's just like, yeah, I'm here. I'm in this thing. Uh, of course, he didn't say too much about what his character is doing and how, like, what kind of capacity is showing up. But we all know the uh, the Marvel one shot, uh, All Hail the King or All Hail to the King, that came out um, not long after Iron Man 3, uh, that basically set up that uh, Trevor Slattery was going to meet the real Mandarin at the end of that. So maybe this is... Yeah, following on that, I don't know, in some way. Um, regardless, I'm fucking keen for this. This is <laughs> fan-fucking-tastic. More Trevor Slattery, please. Thank you very much. Fulia, um, is this is this awesome news or what? What do you think? Uh, look, I, I think um, Iron Man 3 wasn't one of my favourites of the Iron Mans. Um, but that doesn't mean that I didn't like the fact that, you know, Trevor Slattery was, was part of that. Um, (laughs) it's interesting to find out that he's back (laughs) in a different movie. (laughs) Um, but I, I feel like I was kind of expecting it. Um, I just wasn't sure in which film I may have had a little inkling that he was going to show up in Shang-Chi, um, being that he was the... Mandarin quotation in quotation marks uh so it kind of makes sense that he'd be in it but I have no idea why he's in it (laughs) so Mm. now now I'm very curious to find out (laughs) about why he's actually in Shang-Chi so we'll soon find out yeah if the lockdown is uh not here I'm there with you. Uh, yes, yes, Michael. Yes. <laughs> does this does this make make you happy? It does make me happy because it, as uh, I'm the same as you, Kendall. Uh, I'm one of the rare few that actually enjoyed that sort of take because yeah. because you know if you if if you think about it like historically where uh, where the world was at the time. We were very hyper with the sort of um, uh, who's a terrorist and which is a terrorist and and all that yeah. political stuff. And um, I actually quite like it. It's like, well, the it's our own boogeyman. It's 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 pretty much uh, you build upon something that's pretty much not real and and, and that sort sort of thing. And it's different ideologies and all that. And we don't want to get too political because. Because uh, you know this is this isn't the podcast for it. But I, you know, looking back at it, I, I did enjoy it at the time. And yeah, it's probably good that they, if they want to do like something that's a bit more of a representation of the comics, um, I'm I'm all for it. And it's good that they bring him back because a Ben Kingsley is fucking awesome, and. <laughs> He really is. And I still love that character, (laughs) even though it does piss people off. (laughs) Yeah. And I don't care. But, but yeah, like, a lot of people haven't seen the one-shot thing, so they're 
sort of still going on of what what happens in the movie stays in the movie and and i haven't seen all the one shots like i i haven't seen like any of them re- really i just know the prior knowledge of it and yeah and um it's kind of good that they're having the sort of uh connective tissue by having ben kingsley in it for a scene maybe i don't know just to explain explain it's like well this is what you thought and this is what the real thing is and hopefully then <laughs> he's not gonna get a bullet in the head <laughs> yeah hopefully not that would that would suck yeah <laughs> or a ring somewhere you know, ten rings. Oh yeah, the rings are weapons, and he has one. Hmm, maybe. Yeah. Don't know. Maybe. But it's cool. We'll it's see. it's cool that he's back, and yeah, it's probably going to be his last hurrah. Really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what true. can you do with that character? Yeah. He's still in prison, but they sort of broke him out, so he's he's probably going to die. I'm calling it right now. <laughs> <laughs> R.I.P. Trevor Slattery, 2021. Oh bloody hell! Bloody hell! <laughs> <laughs> that was, I love that. Oh, bloody hell, bloody hell. So fucking funny. It's good to see Ben Kingsley do comedy. Yeah. Too, yeah. Because he never really does comedy. So, yeah. Very cool. And less we um, say about the love guru, the better. <laughs> yeah. I refuse to watch that movie. Refuse. Refuse. <sighs> okay. Let's cross the pond to DC now. Uh, because we have a new movie announced at HBO Max. Black Canary is getting her own film, mm. uh, which is super exciting. Um, and it's exciting for a couple of reasons, um, because it will kind of be a sequel to Birds of Prey. It will follow on with Dinah Lance um, from, uh, as we saw her in Birds of Prey back in 2020. Um, one of the last movies I saw before it all went to shit. Um, <laughs> and of course, uh, Journey Smollett is coming back to reprise her role, um, as the titular Black Canary, which is so cool. Um, and then the other really cool thing though, and Mike, you'll like this, uh, is that, uh, the screenwriter tapped to write the project is Misha Green. Who worked on Lovecraft Country? Yeah, because I was saying, and of course, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the connection yeah. there, <laughs> the connection there, yeah, because Journey Smollett was in Lovecraft Country, so and um, she can run fast, yeah. and she can run real fast. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's really, really cool to see those two wonderful women back together on another creative endeavor. Um, and I really liked uh, Journey's interpretation of Dinah Lance in Birds of Prey. I mean, I loved pretty much everything about Birds of Prey. I thought it was awesome. Um, so I'm I'm really excited. That we're gonna get to kind of see because because I still haven't seen Suicide Squad. Um, I don't know how much Suicide Squad is a sequel to Birds of Prey at this point. So it's gonna be <laughs> Michael. Shut up, Michael. <laughs> I was gonna ask. Would you like to? No, I could. I, nope. I don't want to. I nope. don't want. I want to see it on the cinema. I want to wait for the cinemas to reopen, which could be in like a year from now. At this point, be oh. optimistic. Don't no, I say can't. That. I can't look forward to anything else anymore. Think nothing matters. Nihilistic <laughs> optimism. Ah, uh, uh, one day this will all be over. We'll just be be dead. (laughs) There's your nihilistic optimism for you. (laughs) Oh, anyway. Let's 
let's let's just move on without that. Um, but <laughs> regardless, uh, yeah, I don't know how much of a sequel in terms of Harley's character, Birds of Prey, uh, Suicide Squad is to Birds of Prey. So um, I'm really excited to see uh, the Birds of Prey kind of story continue with Black Canary and follow on from that. Um, and it'd be really cool if they found a way to bring back some of the other characters from Birds of Prey. Like, I would love to see uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead's Huntress again because she was badass and very funny too because mm. how she – I just loved that recurring gag of her trying to – do the you know badass vigilante monologue and then kept getting interrupted every time like that was that was very funny um but yeah no this is this is really cool mike Jeez. um are you are you ha- are you excited about this this announcement yeah it sounds pretty cool i mean i like all the people involved and yeah i i quite like the birds of prey movie and it's kind of cool that they're uh giving pretty much giving it another chance i mean uh, I know people have like their grievances about it because you know it di- it didn't really sit well with people, but it it had its own charm. And if my wife likes it, then cool, uh, <laughs> all the better. Um, unfortunately, yeah, no black mask. So they're gonna get another one, someone else. And yeah, I'm all yeah, I'm all for it. Cool. Well, there could be there could be some more maybe prequel. I don't know. There could be flashbacks. I could always get you in for flashbacks. Maybe I don't know. Maybe not. Yeah, maybe not. But who knows? Who knows? And the, also the other question is: Will they would they do a cameo with Harley? Maybe. Don't know. Yeah, yeah. I would love love to see Margot Robbie in this. Yeah, because I'm sure she'd be all for it. Yeah, because spoilers for for it. She sort of they sort of part ways really. At the end of it, so yeah, they can, true. so they can do whatever they want, really. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, probably a cameo from from Harley, maybe. Or oh, Harley's the big bad, and <laughs> yeah. and that's the guy after Harley. Uh, which I wouldn't mind. That would be cool. She's her own woman, and yeah, and she was great in the Suicide Squad. Great. And, yeah, I won't. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Don't say anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Just tear my, my heart out from my chest. Um, Fulia, I know you're not a big DC fan, but uh, does this interest you in any way? Uh, look, uh, uh, just going to say this now. I have not watched Birds of Prey yet. Oh. I, still need, I still need to get around to it. I know, I know, I know. Bad nerd, very bad nerd. I will get around to watching it. Um, it is on my list, uh, my Great. watch list, so I will watch it soon. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Mm. It's a lot of fun. Um, so, and I really enjoyed the different Black Canary characters from the Arrowverse, at least. Um, and so now I'm curious to see how Journey portrays that character in Birds of Prey to then have her own HBO movie, which sounds really cool. Um, you know, because we need we need more we need more what is she? She's like a anti anti hero. She's uh, no she she's probably more of a hero. Yeah. Than an anti hero. But she does have that kind of vigilante thing going yeah. for her. Yeah. So um I do like how the Black Canary sort of goes in terms of being like this badass woman yeah. um you know 
fighting crime and all that sort of stuff, which is really awesome. So yeah, I'm I'd be I'd be interested to see uh, seeing this one. Great. Yeah. Awesome. Love it. All right. Next time we can do a movie night, Birds of Prey. Yeah. Do it. Make <laughs> it happen. Um, cool. All right. Got some Star Wars news now. This is interesting um, because it's kind of come up in the past. Some controversy surrounding the uh, the name of one Boba Fett's uh, ship, um, which was named uh, Slave One. Um, because yeah, there was I think there was like a Lego toy release yeah. a few years ago that had it just said like Boba Fett's starship ship, sh- starship on yeah. it. Like they removed the name completely, and they didn't want it. They didn't want it, slave associated with Disney. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, totally fair enough. Understandable. Um, however, now um, it seems uh, uh, they're kind of um, been announcing some variant covers for an upcoming comic book run um, to do with um, uh, different bounty hunters, which is pretty cool. Um, and, uh, yeah, and that's coming out soon. So they just did the reveal of the covers and basically this has shown to us that, uh, Boba, Boba Fett's ship is actually being renamed, uh, Fire Spray, um, which is interesting. Um, so, but I, and at first I was like, I don't know if I like that as a name for his ship, like, I was okay. Like I don't, you can call it whatever you want. I don't really mind. It's still a badass ship at the end of the day. Um, but I was like fire spray, really. But then apparently, um, fire spray is actually the type of 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 uh, starship it is. It's a, a fire spray thirty one class patrol and attack craft. So they've just taken the the title fire spray from that, uh, which is interesting. So. Um, Lucasfilm, Disney have not said anything about if this is going to be affecting uh, anything to do with the book of Boba Fett, which is still hopefully coming out by the end of this year on Disney+. Plus. Um, but I'm sure we'll find out when that happens. Um, yeah, Fulia, what do you think of the name Fire Spray? Fire Spray? Oh, sounds like hairspray. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, if it's if it was something that I think what I did a little research on this and apparently fire spray was mentioned in comics in earlier comics. Okay. Um and also that um we don't know whether um the book of Boba Fett's either if it's ever going to mention the name in mm. in the show itself or mm-hmm. whether it might come up once or twice, who knows. Until we watch the show, we, we we're not gonna find out. That's true. Yes, yeah. I mean they never. I don't think they've ever mentioned Boba Fett, Boba Fett's ship as Slave One in in either the, any of the films. No, or it's usually anything. it's usually just more of the characters will just mention to just get on the ship. Yeah, Doesn't yeah. It really must have say come the, by the name. It must have come from like um, the toys or something. Maybe back in the back in the eighties. Maybe yeah. That's my theory. Yeah. But anyway, um, yeah. so look, I'm to, to be honest, it's not a huge issue for me personally. Um, if that's if Fire Spray is the model name of the starship itself, then that's fine. Um, I don't have any problems with that. Um, so you know they can do what they want with their IP. It's fine. <laughs> 
<laughs> and they will. <laughs> they will. Um, I'm more more interested in the characters than their vehicles. So. <laughs> Fair enough. Although, to be honest, I'm still not over the Razor Crest RIP. I know. Yeah, that that was <laughs> sad. Oof. Oh, brutal. Yeah. Anyway, that's my thoughts. <laughs> nice. 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 Michael? Uh, I have no real opinion on this. I mean, it's cool. If they want to rebrand it, rebrand it. You know, it always reminds me of that chicken, the robot chicken um, episode where they did all the um, Star Wars stuff where where the the, the skit was a conversation between Boba Fett and Lando Calrissian. And Lando Calrissian says, he's like, uh, says to Bubba Fett, it's like, I really like your, I really like your ship, Bubba, but not crash hot about the name though. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, just a quick one. And it's like, yeah, yeah, I mean, but Bubba is king now. Bubba. It's true. Yeah, he's uh, a, <laughs> he, he runs, he runs the huts now. Well, he's not a hut anymore. He, he is the hut now. Yeah, so, <laughs> true. He's not a slave. He's going to turn into a fat slug. Yeah, he's not. He's not. He's not the. Um, he's not a slave anymore. He is. He is. Uh, the the, gra- the master. Yeah, the master. The grand poobah. Uh, <laughs> what? He's he's not the slave. He's the master. That's even worse. <laughs> oh no! Now I see why they changed the name because he's you know, he's moved up in the world. Mm. Oh, God, oh, look out. Terrible. Okay. All right, we got one more item of news. Some not so good news surrounding the uh, Magic the Gathering TV series that's in the works at Netflix currently. Uh, similar to the the terrible situation with the, um, the Avatar last Airbender live action, uh, this one has also lost its showrunners. Uh, and the reason, main reason I mention this on the podcast is because those showrunners were the Russo brothers. Um, Who are they? Oh, I don't. Some small time guys named Joe and Anthony. You know, this was supposed to be their big break, and now I don't know what they're going to do, to be honest. I mean, it's rough. I mean, what do they do? The sitcom. There's sitcom directors. I know. I know. They did Community and then they went under some kind of rock for like 10 years and now they're like, oh, we're making a comeback. Okay. Yeah. 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 I think they were supposed to do something Marvel related, but I don't think it ever worked out. That was probably a good thing then. Yeah, probably. Who wants sitcom writers on a a big budget? Oh, I was thinking the other way around. What would you do a a Marvel thing? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> don't ever say that uh so <laughs> i'll say it in my mind then okay please do <laughs> visual gag for everyone at home mike is pretending to do a professor x and to say it with his mind uh, okay <laughs> so anyway russo brothers have departed uh the magic the gathering series on Netflix, the CG animated series that's currently in production. Uh, Of course, it's that old nugget, Creative Differences. Mm -hmm. Um, Apparently, they were not happy or impressed with uh, the direction Netflix wanted to take the show in, so they've decided to abandon ship, um, taking, sadly, with them um, two of the writers, 
the two head writers, if even, if you will. Um, Henry Gilroy, who'd previously worked on Clone Wars, and Jose Molina, who worked on Agent Carter. Um, they were supposed to be the head writers of this show, and now they are no longer. Um, they've stuck it out with the Russos, and, and uh, yeah. So basically, at this point, the show is starting from scratch, it seems. Um <laughs> Netflix have tapped uh, Transformers Prime co-creator Jeff Klein to take over as executive producer and run this show. Um, he's now looking for writers to join his team. Um, I personally, apart, apart from this behind-the-scenes drama, which I feel I find interesting, um, I have no stake in this game because uh, I've never played Magic the Gathering. I know it's an insanely huge uh, popular game, Um around the world. Uh, so I imagine the show will do very well when it comes out eventually. But Mike, what are your thoughts and uh, takeaways from this? Wow. I mean, first of all, um, taking the two head writers is pretty much the fucking equivalent of taking your bat and ball and going home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that, that is pretty difficult because is, is there a real story behind Magic the Gathering, like, I played it when I was, like, really, really young. And, like, it's like a 30-year-old, like, game. And you, yeah. you can't really play with the old cards anymore. you, you got to get the new ones because they're, they're, they're more high-powered. Like, <laughs> I, try, I, I tried showing all, all the old cards to, to, like, a newer fan of them. It's like, hey, would you want these? Because I don't really want them anymore. It's like, wow, these are really old and they're they're very low powered. It's like, shut up. (laughs) So, that is a real kick in the teeth if they're starting from scratch. It's Mm. like, what can you do? Um, I reckon don't do it. Just... Yeah, Netflix is going to Netflix though. Yeah, I know. I mean, they're still going to do... They're still going to do... Airbender, uh, without the original OPs, so yeah, all power yeah. to them. I mean, just, just to you know, get your shit together, Netflix. I mean, Jesus Christ, <laughs> Jesus Christ, oh uh, Jesus, Lord. Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. Uh, <sighs> all right, well, that brings us to the end mm. of the nitty news for this week. Um, hope you guys enjoyed that little wrap up. Um, and now, of course, it now means it is now time for Trailer Park. Rolling up to the trailer park where we all park all the trailers. Yeah. All right. It's Trailer Park time. And boy, do we have some good stuff. For you, yeah. Mm. Oh, because <laughs> I was. Ha- we have the world exclusive Spider-Man No Way Home trailer. No, no. Oh. <laughs> I was going to say we no. finally got something that no one else has. Oh my no. goodness! Yes, <laughs> you're gonna hear it here first. No, no, weird. Sadly, we're kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're never seeing that, despite Kevin Feige's proclamations there Aww. will be a trailer um for spider-man no way home um however i digress uh we do have a pretty cool marvel trailer to talk about though this week um and that is uh the final trailer apparently um or as i like to call it trailer two 
for <laughs> mammals. Eternals. Eternals. Uh, Eternals. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know if you guys have seen my reaction video to this, but um, I'm kind of going to reiterate a couple of things just because this trailer is like 50 times better than the first one, in my opinion. Like, the first one was fine. It just really didn't give us a good enough idea, I think, of what to expect from the story or the f film. Like, I don't, I feel like they kept a lot of cards close to the chest. Um, and, you know, and then they chose a, you know, a, a song, like a, you know, well, very well-known song that's been used in many other films and TV shows to kind of, you know, try and amp things up. Um, but, um... But here, you know, I mean, this is our this is our story trailer. This is the, you know, what the hell. And I love the fact that they really seem to go out of their way more than once to be like, where the fuck were you guys when Thanos was snapping everyone out of existence? Because um, that was the biggest uproar from the first trailer when that teaser dropped. Everyone's like, well, where? Yeah. I'm sorry if these, these people are this are powerful and as old as you say they are, where the fuck were they? Um, but yeah, a celestial told them not to. Um, well, that was, that was... It's their daddy. It's their daddy. I don't daddy know. didn't tell them not to. Yeah, <laughs> that was fucking cool. Not only just finally hearing, okay, this is why we came here in the first place 7,000 years ago, and this is, and now the snap, the decimation has led to this emergence beginning which is bad for everyone apparently and you know and then they have a, a celestial kind of overlord dude who looks fucking amazing and impressive as all hell telling them nope you can't you can't do anything about about thanos you've got to stay away um kind of fucking loved it loved it everything about it it was brilliant um i'm so in i mean i like i i was already in i'm you know i'm legally I sold my soul to Disney. Okay, I'm legally and morally <laughs> obliged to watch these things. I have no no say. Um, so I, yeah, I'm in anyway. But now I'm even more hyped just because I'm like that's one of the things about Phase Four I'm loving so far is dealing with like I mean Falcon Winter Soldier probably touched on it a little bit more, but just the fallout of the decimation and what that five years did to Earth. But now we're kind of getting a look at it maybe more in a galactic sort of sense maybe i don't know but just in a bigger grandest like scheme of like these are even though the avengers saved the day tony stark sacrificed his life we are there are still consequences like raining down upon humanity in some sense i just i think that's freaking awesome so i really love this trailer quite a bit um fulia what did you think oh my goodness i think this trailer actually made me think, yes, I do need to see this. Hey, there it is. It was literally the decider hey, for me. Good. All right. Um, good. I don't know what why the other the other trailer didn't make me feel that I was already in, but this one was like, okay, now that you know what's going on, you should go. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of how my brain was thinking. Um and yeah, it's it looks really, really cool. Um, uh, it's very exciting and interesting to see how things, you know, continued on after the snap, um, or the blip as most yeah, people the blip like as to well. call it. Yeah. 
um yeah and just being able to see some of the the actual characters um talk a bit more um just sort of getting an idea of their a little bit of their dialogue and their voices and stuff um just makes it a little bit more you know intriguing uh and yeah i'm very curious and just just looking at their powers as well very detailed kind of graphics in terms of the visual effects for their powers. Um, they look really cool. It's like night golden and sort of like very lacy sort of a detail kind of look to it. I'm really, really loving that. Um, Me too. Yeah. I want to see more of that. I want to see close-ups of that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I am like, I am definitely in. I cannot wait to see this. Nice, nice, Michael. Well, this was the straw that broke the camel's back, and I am not going to see it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm you sorry. You the opposite I'm way. I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, he's just kidding, everyone. Yeah, watching the, fir- the first teaser trailer and the and the first trailer, it it got me. You know. It got me sort of intrigued. It's like, well, I don't know what's going on. I'm confused. What's going on? It, so, so what you're saying is this is like the origin story of the MCU, of basically Planet Earth. And yeah, I'm all for that. I like I like stories that sort of uh, make their own sort of genesis of of the planet of Planet Earth. And I I'm all for that. And this is definitely a, a kick in the gear. It's go- going to be. A prequel to everything that we've seen, and also a, a story of is the world going to end or not? <laughs> so I like that. <laughs> and we've got a ticking clock, seven days. Very, very biblical. Uh, created the earth in seven days, and they're going to destroy it in seven days. <laughs> sort of a good um, uh, bookends of, of the MCU. So we're placing our bets. Is, is the world going to end? Maybe? No. No. Okay. Well, what's, <laughs> there's no stakes in this movie, so what's the point of watching it? Um, <laughs> but having said that, um, people have been saying, like, I, I watch a lot of, like, um, deep dives and, and breakdowns of this trailer, and uh, essentially this movie w- was meant to be, like, uh, released, like, before, like, WandaVision and all that, so it's, it probably would take place after Endgame and before WandaVision or any anything like that. Yeah. So, or yeah. E- even um, uh, uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. So, spoilers, the world doesn't end. So, yeah. <laughs> but it'll be cool. Like, it's going to be a launching off point of, um, I don't know, what would happen. Uh, are they going to introduce, like, the mutagen gene, maybe? I don't know. Uh, and yeah, with the, um, and to deal with the sort of hierarchies of, of, uh, of the Eternals and also the greater beings as well. Like there's a lot, there'll, there'll be a lot of, uh, connections to ego, the, the living planet as well, as well. And, and nowhere as well yep. being, being yep. a head that's floating in space and, and yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, I'm all for that. It's a, it's all like um that and like the weaponry as well. It's like uh, it's it's a ancient 
ancient like uh, technology, but it looked futuristic as well. So that's kind of cool, and and huge name stars as well. So it's mm. it's, it's going to be a gamble uh, because you know it's it's definitely very out of left field of what Marvel has done, and uh, and I'm a person who really really enjoys um, Guardians of the Galaxy, and that was a good gamble as well. So. Um. Yeah, I'll, I'll be going for it, and if it if it's uh, doesn't and if it doesn't peak my expectations, it's going to be the it's going to be the worst movie ever. Well, let's hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> I'm putting it very high on a pedestal right here. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little, a little bit. Um. Yeah. What else can we say about this trailer? It's definitely well put together and looks amazing. Very intrigued, yeah, mm. yeah, lovely. All right, so Eternals um, will be released in cinemas here in Australia on the twenty eighth of October. Mm. Uh, A couple of months. Where, whenever we'll see it, who knows? <laughs> I'm not getting my hopes up. Um, fingers crossed. Okay, trailer two. Trailer two is uh, something very cool. Um, this is uh, our first really good look, um, proper trailer for the upcoming uh, anime series, Star Wars Visions. Uh, <laughs> of course, that was fully a clapping in case anybody wondered. The weeb. Um, the weeb of the party. <laughs> hey. Oh, sorry. Is that uh, is that a bad word? <laughs> Michael. I, I I seriously I don't know. I thought that was the 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 actual name of the fan fandoms of that. Never mind. <laughs> Moving on. Okay. Anyway, Star Wars Visions. Um, this is a, a, a new series coming out on Disney Plus um, that has, uh, I think, was it nine different anime houses? Um, yeah. Coming together, telling their own original story set within the galaxy far, far away. Um, and I tell you what, it was just such a interesting clash of worlds watching this trailer. Uh, with the, you know, your traditional and awesome, outstanding, like, Japanese animation, but with a Star Wars skin on it, um, you know, like, it's very, very interesting. I'm very intrigued by this. Um, I reckon I'll give it a watch just because I love Star Wars, but, um, but yeah, like, I just, I'm just so curious as to what kind of stories they're going to tell, mostly. Uh, I really enjoyed... I think especially the episode I'll be looking forward to is the the animation that was kind of like black and white and gritty, like that one that was slightly different from the rest. I don't know if you guys noticed that one in there, but yeah, that looked really interesting to me, um, just as a slightly different style of anime um, throughout this. Um, but yeah, like, you know, we've got, you know, people wielding like, doing like a general grievous and wielding like you know six lightsabers at one time um lots of really cool action sequences colors as far as the eye can see um yeah and it looks like you've got the option to watch it 
in Japanese or with an English dub, I'm guessing. Uh, with English subtitles, if you want to watch the Japanese version, of course. Or whatever s- subtitles of whatever language Disney Plus has to offer. Um, yeah, which is probably the best way to go, because generally the Japanese voices are are, are, are better. Uh, or more authentic, I suppose, than the, the uh, dubs. But I don't know. That's just me. Um, yeah. No, I'm excited. I think it looks it looks really interesting. And it's such a cool... I think it's such a cool thing for Disney to do. To, to be like, let's shine a light on these, you know, these animation teams uh, across Japan. Um, give them a spotlight and let them actually spread their wings in the Star Wars universe. I just think that's really cool. Uh, good move by Disney, I think, and Lucasfilm. Um, Fulia, I know nice. you're probably the most excited out of the three of us to see this. And about this trailer, I want to know. Yeah. I want to know all your thoughts. <laughs> I am really looking forward to this. Uh, I am also very cu- curious to um, to see how they tell these Star Wars stories. Um, because f- for for me, being w- watching anime, um, I would not have thought that it would end up being like there'd be a Star Wars version of 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 anime <laughs> um and yeah i am i am so keen i really cannot wait um there are nine different um anime studios that are doing these different episodes um and they are kamikaze doga geno uh, studio studio colorido trigger uh, Kinema Citrus, Science Saru, and Production IG. So they're the production companies who will be creating these animes uh, for their for their diff- for their respective episodes. Um, there were some really interesting, like really interesting graphics to some of these episodes that we put, we're going to be seeing. Um, the way that they've mashed it all together as well. My my brain got a little confused for a second because I'm like, but aren't they supposed to be in the same style of anime? <laughs> and then I realized that there's going to be nine different anime studios that are taking part in this, and I'm just like, oh, okay, that's that's why. <laughs> so there are some really inter- there are some really interesting um, looking anime styles in there that I'm really really keen to see, and oh my goodness, like. Ugh, it's just anime. Just, just anime. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love, I love my anime. Um, have to admit, because of my my dyslexicness, I do go for the English dub because it's easier <laughs> for me to watch. Um, purely because when it when it is in subs, uh, I have a hard time ca- keeping up. With with the Japanese voices, um, because they they talk very fast. They do. They they speak really fast, so it's hard to to keep up with the with the text. Because as they're saying it, you're trying to read it, and the, and if you're a slow reader like me, you, you miss half the things. And I don't want to end up having to you know rewind and all that sort of stuff. However, in saying that, uh, when I watched the trailers, I did end up watching the Japanese version first, not realizing that there was an English dub. And then I saw the English dub one. I'm like, hmm, I don't know. 
Maybe I will watch the the the, the Japanese version this time around. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we'll see. But yes, very very excited. Wonderful, wonderful, Michael. Are you are you an anime watcher? Um, not vividly, but I I do tend to watch one every now and again. Uh, so I'm not uh, I'm not the the weeb. I'm more of a dweeb when it when it comes to anime. So so yeah, um, I think I'll probably watch it twice uh, with the English dub, and then and then with the with the English sub uh, to see see how it goes. So I'll watch it twice, uh, it's so I can get get with it. And yeah, I'm sort of the same as you, fully. I I'd, I I I can't watch something while I'm reading something at the same time. Is it? I don't want to learn while I'm watching something. Uh, because when you're re- when you're reading the subtitles, you miss out on the awesome like action that's happening yeah. as well. Uh, this, yeah, and yeah. Sorry, uh, it just reminded me. I actually watched uh, on stage a um, a an actual um, a, a Italian. Uh, uh, adaptation of um uh romeo and juliet and what was really cool is they had subtitles actually on the stage at the same time oh how it was weird it was like a projection of of, of their oh, lines okay. at, written in english but they were speaking in italian yeah. yeah which is really weird for a stage show but i enjoyed it <laughs> because i knew the story which was good uh and That's yeah good. uh and with this uh, vision, it's really cool. It's kind of, it's surprisingly how fitting it is of having um, Star Wars in like a, a Japanese anime style. And I don't know, it really, it really is a, a nice fit because Star Wars was essentially like the Western sort of uh, samurai. So, sort of stories anyway so it's kind of cool cool that they allow, allowed this to happen and it and it reminds me that um they did the same with the matrix as well and and batman as well they sort of did did something similar with a japanese uh, a, a japanese a japanese animal animal anime studio actually actually doing their own rendition of the matrix or mm. or sta- uh, or, or Batman as well, so I'm I'm mm. I'll I'll give it a go, see how it goes, and yeah, <laughs> it's not going to be my first anime, but it's not going to be my last. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, Star Wars Visions will commence airing on Disney Plus. On the 22nd of September. Star Wars Yay. Vision. Be on your television. <laughs> <laughs> well played. All right, our last trailer for this episode um, is an upcoming Netflix film called Night Books. Um, it's being in a roll doll. <laughs> like, this kind of has. Roald Dahl-esque vibes to it a little bit, I think. Um, I'm curious about this. Um, 
I, I I wasn't a huge fan of the trailer per se. I feel like maybe there's a good movie hiding underneath this trailer because the trailer kind of showed showed a lot, but then some of it just didn't make sense. Like to the point where I had to reread what the what it was actually about before jumping into the recording. Like I don't know about you guys, but it just kind of like the plot of it kind of went over my head a little bit. Um, unless I'm just tired because it's been a long day. Um, but, um, but yeah, but no, like it's, it's a cool concept. Like, you know, this, this, you know, poor boy, little boy has been kidnapped by this evil witch. Um, and in order to, uh, you know, stay alive, he has to write scary stories for her every day. Um, and she lives in this like house or apartment that like seems to just travel through dimensions and time and space and and stuff and there's monsters and scary things and yeah really interesting um yeah I kind of like the concept and I love Kristen Ritter um you know I'm a big fan of hers and enjoyed her mostly of course as Jessica Jones um so really cool to see her um again on the screen uh, and looking awesome, like I'm really enjoying the in- the entire aesthetic of this witch that she's playing, this kind of evil sort of uh, witch, who, but like kid evil, kid friendly evil, I suppose, but kind of dark. Like there are some moments there when I was like, you know, like I really like the effect they put on her eyes. They made her eyes black except for her pupils, which were uh, like green or like bluish green. Like I thought that was pretty cool. Mm. Um, yeah, so like it visually looks pretty interesting and cool and the story's kind of, kind of original and, and it's produced by Sam Raimi. So, um, (laughs) that's definitely a plus for sure. So I might, I might actually check this out. Um, hopefully it's good. Fulia, does this pique your interest at all? What's the rating of this? (laughs) I don't know. I'm going to say it's going to either be a hard PG or an M. I yeah, yeah. Because you know, I'm, I'm like, I'm watching this trailer and I'm thinking, is this supposed to be aimed at children or is this supposed to be aimed at adults? Um, hmm. It's I. I don't think if I was a kid watching this, I would not be watching this. <laughs> <laughs> you turn it off. My parents would. <laughs> it just looks creepy <laughs> for a kids show. <laughs> Um, yeah, I just, I don't know. Like, I was kind of slightly curious, but then all of these, like, like horror themes started happening, and I'm like, um, I'm confused. (laughs) (laughs) Is this, is this for kids or not? Um, I... Probably won't watch it. <laughs> okay, fair enough. C- considering what the theme of this story is, um, and yeah, I don't know. Like, I just, yeah, nah, <laughs> I can't. I just, I, 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 I have no words. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. That's all right. <sighs> totally fine. Yeah. Totally fine. Michael, what do you think? Yes. Um, I am intrigued. <laughs> <laughs> and not because it's a, it, it's borderline horror. Um, 
Like I'm seeing this, like it, I'm thinking it is intentionally for for children because sometimes kids need a little bit of a scare, and I think this will be a very like handheld, like come through the, uh, come and watch this sort of thing. It will be scary, but it will be like kitty scary, and if I'm going to put my parent hat on, um, yeah, it uh, it'll probably be it. I'll watch it first, of course, but um, it'll probably be something that I would show show to my kids because, you know, some sometimes kids. <laughs> I know it sounds sadistic, but sometimes they need a bit of a scare, to because it's fun to be scared. So, no, sometimes. it's not. It is. No. <laughs> Continue. Don't <laughs> You you need all emotions. Uh, you need all emotions fully. Yeah? Haven't you seen Inside Out? Nope. Oh wait, you know I have seen Inside Out. Yes. <laughs> all emotions are important, including I, I... the ones that make you feel bad, because it shows you sometimes the bad can lead to good. You can't be happy all the time. <laughs> Otherwise, you don't you don't go through like the hardships that you need to. To understand it's like this soon will pass. Uh-huh. As well as being happy. So, anyway. Um, <laughs> I kind of like the premise. It definitely give, gives me the sort of A Thousand and One Nights, you know, Arabian Nights sort of sto- story things where maybe we'll go into like the different stories that the kid actually writes. And, yeah, it's it's a bit dark, you know. Um, a kid is is being threatened by a witch to... Who's going to kill him? So it's very, it's very um, uh, brothers grim sort of, mm. sort of aspect. I mean, Hansel and Gretel, you know, a, a witch is trying to eat children. You know, it's it's pretty morbid, but it, it, it's a bit of fun. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, I'll definitely have a watch of this. And I had, uh, and I was trying to, I was trying to remember where I saw the witch from. I thought, yeah, Jessica Jones, but she doesn't look like Jessica Jones. No. Where's her leather jacket? <laughs> yeah. yeah it's, not the, it's not the blue hair that did it. It's the leather jacket that's missing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I'll give it a go. I'll see. Um, I'll, make sh- I'll, I'll be the proper parent and actually go through it first and then see if it's not too mm-hmm. scary. But my kid has already watched Ghostbusters. I mean. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mind you, I did uh, with the uh, librarian ghost. I, I did turn the volume like off when that happened. That's fair. <laughs> so she saw the visuals. She didn't really. She she didn't get scared by the because if you cut out one sense, then I don't know. It's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't uh, traumatize as much. Nah, for only getting it through <laughs> one sense and not multiple. Yeah, and she was fine. I mean, cool. Great. Yeah. So, whenever we be watching this on Netflix, Kendall? We will be watching Nightbooks on Netflix on the 15th of September. Remember, remember. 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 Yes. The 5th of September. Yes. It's okay, Mike. I'm willing to give Folia a pass now that I know one of the games she might have to now play in her stream. (laughs) Oh. So, (laughs) but we can talk about that 
off off air. <laughs> <laughs> because it's time now for the moment, the segment, the section, the time, the part, the place in the show we like to call Captain Genocide. I mean, popcorn culture. <laughs> We're not going to let that die, are you? No. <laughs> Captain Carter and Genocide. Yes. yes. Captains Carter and Genocide, respectively. Yes. Ah. Uh, Good. All right, we're here. We're here. We said we'd do it last week, and we're here, and we're doing it now. We're going to be discussing both uh, episodes one and two of Marvel's What If, which is starting to stream on Disney+. Plus. Two episodes so far. Um, first episode was, of course, What If Captain Carter Were the First Avenger? Uh, and the second episode was uh, What If T'Challa became Star-Lord. Um, so I think we'll just do them one at a time um, and uh, have a general ramble review sort of discussion we like to do. I'm curious to hear what you guys thought of um, but, well, both of these episodes, but more particularly the first episode because I didn't like it as much as I thought I was going to, the first one. Um which is annoying and weird because I love Peggy Carter and I was really looking forward to seeing her as sort of like a Captain Britain character interpretation. So Captain Carter, they're, they're not calling her straight up Captain Britain, um, which is interesting because they're probably going to be introducing him down the point, down the, down the line at some point, I should say, because um, he was an Easter egg in Endgame. But, um, but yeah, but like, but I just, I don't know, there's something about it that just was... It wasn't there for me, and plus, I had I had a lot of questions about certain logistics. I had to kind of do a little bit of extra work to kind of for some things to kind of make sense um, to me. But other than that, like I I love the whole I love the whole concept of Uatu the Watcher, voiced by Jeffrey Wright, kind of doing a Rod Serling. Twilight Zone sort of uh, <laughs> intro and outro narration. I think that's pretty cool. Um, and I love those animation shots with the Watcher in the stars sort of thing. Like that looks kind of kind of interesting. Looks straight out of a, a, a comic book, uh, which I like. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's good. And I like the fact that um, not only was Peggy just badass, but it also gave like... You know, we, we were still we still had Steve Rogers in this episode. Um, you know, Steve was still around, he still had a role to play, um, you know, despite the fact that he didn't end up having the, the serum anymore. Um, but yeah, but uh but yeah, he was still there and we still got the love story, which is really nice and cute and stuff, and I like that, so yeah. Um, <laughs> what did what it Fulia? What did you think about the? Um, so I suppose we could just call it Peggy's Nexus event in this, yeah. <laughs> where, um, where to borrow a phrase, um, where she you know she makes the decision to stay on the floor in the main room where the transformation is going to happen instead of what she does in the film originally as she goes upstairs and away. Mm. Um, yeah, and then that obviously leads to 
uh, you know, pandemonium. Um, that whole sequence for you, how did it work? Uh, I was actually, uh, I was a little, I was surprised that she actually decided to stay down there because, but at the same time, I was like, yeah, you, you do what you want to do. You stay down there because she was like literally the only female in that group. So it was like, do I listen to all these men and just, you know, just go upstairs or do I just stay and see it for myself? And I'm glad she did. I'm really glad she did. Um, It was also interesting to see how it all sort of panned out in terms of the haywire chaos that happened. Um, and it was like, okay, uh, what's, how, how is this whole thing? How is she going to become the captain Carter? So, and then once it all sort of transpires and I'm like, Oh, okay, (laughs) this is cool. Okay. So, and it was one of those things where I feel like, it was a little bit like it was hold held back a little bit like maybe a few seconds longer than it should have for her decision to be like, I'm going to get on the the thing on the machine. Um, and I'm like, just do it already. You, it's <laughs> there. Just get on the stupid bed and just lock yourself in. Um, and I'm glad that Mr. Stark was controlling it all. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and yeah, I like that, that whole sequence was, um, yeah, it was interesting to see. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. Mike, yeah. Mike, what did you, what did you take from this open, this kind of beginning sequence, um, of her inception, I suppose, as the super soldier? Uh, yeah. Um, overall, um, with the with the episodes, I just want to uh, set this in. Um, I knew it was sort of heading for a more younger audience because it's it's uh, animated and that. So so I can sort of get um, they can sort of get away of it being a little bit of um, uh, a bit of a oh that's convenient and and wink wink nudge nudge of what's going on. And yeah, I actually quite like the fact that they in this particular in in episode one they set up the, the sort of premises like okay we've got uh there's only like one little event that would change and and that sort of branches out into uh a different uh a different dimension i want to say a time dimension uh a different sort of branch of Timeline, timeline, yeah. <laughs> different. They haven't really specified yet. It's either a universe, a multiverse, or it's a dimension in time. Um, yeah, and and I actually quite quite like the fact that it was just one insignificant thing, one decision, one. Well, if you had one shot, one opportunity <laughs> <laughs> to to eat mum's spaghetti, to eat mum's spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> And and it's kind of cool because it's also setting up like the young younger audience uh, get to understand what a multiverse is, as well as so maybe the audience, um, a particular audience, wouldn't understand like a a, a bizarre concept of a multiverse because we're heading down that way. And 
and with this, with her decision of actually getting into the serum, it's it's well, someone has to do it. I mean, uh, like otherwise it would have been a waste. Yeah, and they've only got one chance to to do this because uh, the professor's dead. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones is dead for very <laughs> uh, convenient reasons why he didn't come back to do a voice. Um, and yeah, yeah, so. Pretty much, Peggy took that bullet or took took the serum, and and she didn't yell and scream like like Steve did in the in the thing. He <laughs> was like, "No, I'm okay." Ah! <laughs> did you hear Peggy like yell and scream? It's like no, because this woman knows how to take pain because she has to wax. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that's her threshold of wow. pain. Well, if you think about it, women can actually withstand pain more than men. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Um, speaking speak this, as a feminist myself, that because women, they've been brushing their hair ever since they were born. And you know when a parent is very, very, you know, pulling hair, basically. Violent. And, yeah, violence. <laughs> I, I see that with my kid as well. It's like, Daddy, you're doing it too hard. It's like, sorry, there's fucking knots. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, you'll thank me when you're older. (laughs) (laughs) When you have a higher pain threshold than any other kid. (sighs) Anyway, so, yeah, I liked it. Weird tangent, but there you go. I'm here for weird tangents. Um, And also, when she turned into, I I didn't expect her to be a seven-foot lady. Yeah, I know. She's tall. Gigantic lady. And I was going, whew. Hello, Peggy. <laughs> Hello. Yeah, the rest of the men weren't, except for uh, Steve. I don't know. No, in the in the show, I mean. Um, okay. <laughs> I was going to... Com- okay. <laughs> so. Crush me between those thighs, Peggy. <laughs> Step on me. <laughs> Step on my balls. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway. You can see Steve. Wow. You can see Steve is like, wow. Oh, my God. I love this. <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. Okay. All right. Wow. So, a <laughs> um, couple of cool things uh, that happen in this episode. Um, one kind of similar to the events of the film where uh, Peggy uh, ends up going to rescue um, Bucky and the Howling Commandos, similarly to the way that Steve did, uh, which is really awesome. But one event that happened that was actually completely different, uh, and this is the main one, I think, that was completely different. Um, Oh, there's two main ones, but anyway, there's a few. Um, But uh, just in terms of random happenings in the episode, the fact that they were able to, like Peggy was able to actually intercept the Tesseract before it got, to Red Skull. Um, so, you know, she attacked that convoy with um, Arnim Zola and, and uh, you know, it was, it was a great way to show off her powers in full, full action for the first time. And I love that whole sequence and how enthusiastic she is about it, about the fact, you know, she's like, oh, I just took down that truck. Let's have another one. Let's go. Like, I just, yeah. I, don't, I like that enthusiasm. I thought it was really cool. She's very excited. Um, about it. But yeah, very interesting that 
this happened that they were able to get the Tesseract. Um, yeah. I don't know if I missed... I don't know if I missed the difference between... Because, like, why didn't this happen in First Avenger? Mike, do you have an answer for me? Yeah, because she wasn't piss-fighting around with the USO shows. That's a good point. Mm. Yes. Which I will... You mentioned that. and then, But then they also do mention that she was going to do... They were going to make her do USO shows because that's why she has the Captain Carter outfit... Because they were like, we were going to send you... They never say yeah. why they never sent her. They just... They're like, here we go. But they, I guess they just decide to... They located the Tesseract and they decided to go for it. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I did watch your uh, videos on this. And oh, was, thanks. Uh, yeah. And I was yelling at the at my at my computer. I was like, no, you're wrong. And, but, <laughs> <laughs> no, great. That's fine. I'm happy to be wrong. Here's the thing. I think they've already... They, they were about... They, they were setting up the thing that Steve was going to do it because uh, that takes a long time to plan. And uh, for, first of all, um, it's like, oh, why, why can't Peggy do it? It's like, well, A, of course, she's a woman. And second, she's not even American. She's British. Yeah. So it's sort of a bit jarring of saying, yeah, this is Captain America, but she's got a British accent. Yeah. <laughs> no, that makes sense. And, and a British and that, uniform. And a British uniform, um, which I think they, um, I think uh, Howard Stark said um, they sort of made alterations just just to give her the Union Jack sort of thing. So mm-hmm. that's pretty cool. Mm. And yeah, so Peggy screwed it up, <laughs> uh, like their their plans of uh, you know uh, American imperialism, especially it's sell more war bonds. You know that's yeah. it. So. I think because she she wasn't going around like doing the USO shows and and punching Hitler in the head, uh, I'm all for that. And yeah, they weren't pissing farting around, so they sort sort of going down. Just went straight okay. into business. Yeah, just went okay, straight into. That's it. cool. Yeah, no, yeah. that makes a lot more sense. Thank you for explaining that. Um, yeah, nice. Um, Fulia, did you? Did you like that 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 action sequence? Like, did did the animation style work for you? I I really enjoyed the action itself. Um, just just being able to see her full like potential in her powers that she gained. Um, you know, she she punches a freaking truck. Like, <laughs> come on, what lady gets away with saying I punched a truck? <laughs> And lived. Um, and lived. Um, and she did it like two times. Maybe I think maybe three. Two or three. Were there two or three trucks? Maybe three. Something like that. I think there was like I think the third one was the one with the Tesseract, yeah? Yeah. She flipped the first one and I think she punched the second one. Yeah, yeah, that's right. To stop it. Mm. And like just that sheer amount of strength just shows what the serum does. And it doesn't matter what gender you are. It's going to give you that strength, as we saw in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But so, you've got to be pure of heart. Aww. Um, <laughs> I, lo- I love that sequence. It was, it was so good to watch. And, yeah, I was just like, yeah, you get him, girl. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, that, was, that, was my, that was my feeling at the time. <laughs> it's a good feeling. <laughs> a good feeling um yeah and i i liked i liked how this you know the fact that we have the tesseract earlier much earlier than than we do in the main timeline um it lets howard stark i guess 
get the jump on his son and create the first Iron Man suit. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, lovingly titled The Hydra Stomper. Um, <laughs> and this is where Steve Rogers gets something to do. He gets to be, instead of Howard being inside the suit, um, Steve's in the suit. Um, well, as Howard said, he, he's the ones that, that pushes the buttons. This is true. He doesn't do the action part. Um, yeah, I, I, I really liked uh, that. And um, I, one of my favorite parts of the episode, I think, was that montage uh, to the like the cool forties music with the action going on and the like the Howling Commandos and and Peggy and Steve kind of going around and like that one there's that one sequence where like she's on his shoulder and they're flying in and then they take down that plane you know what like I that got, was cool i got baymax vibes from that yeah like, honestly because he, he had a handle on the back of his suit as well for her to hold on to <laughs> yeah it's pretty cool uh and uh i i in giant vibes a little bit as well mm. <laughs> yeah superman um, yeah. Superman. I like that. Mike, did you, how did you feel about this, um, way early introduction of the Iron Man suit? Well, it got me thinking. Okay. About, about the first Iron Man, um, movie and how, how different that would have been. Mm. So I've, I've got a little story here. <laughs> oh, it's story time with Mike. <laughs> yes. Um... Let's see if I can read my own writing. And, of course, Howard becomes, like, the first Iron Man. Uh, well, not Howard, but the Rogers does. And and uh, it got me thinking, Does would that make Tony the villain of the first Iron Man movie? Because, uh, not to spoil anything, but, of course, Bucky doesn't become the Winter Soldier. No. So Howard, Howard doesn't. How how it doesn't get killed by the Winter Soldier, so there's there's no there's no real incentive for Tony to live up to his father's um, ideals or anything like that because his father's still still alive and they and they probably still like bicker and argue and all, all that stuff and and I don't know in the first first uh, uh, and yeah and Tony doesn't re- really have the incentive incentive to become like the CEO of Stark Enterprises when he when he turned 18 and that that sort of thing so he wasn't like a young person um to be he, he would still have the persona that he did at the start start of just being a billionaire playboy yeah but but billionaire he, playboy philanthropist yes. yeah but a billion playboy philanthropist and so the iron man is is still around, so it it would have been, uh, would have been upgraded throughout the years, and so, and the only people who know about it are the people who are involved with, um, um, with Shield and all that. So so only only they know, and I suppose he wouldn't let Tony know because he's trying. He's trying to make Tony into the man that he wants to be, and so maybe to maybe Howard doesn't doesn't retire until he's because by the by the first epi- by the first movie he would be in his eighties 
And so yeah. so he'll be looking for a benefactor. And so and he knows that his son his only son would probably not be ready for it, so he gives it to someone else. Uh, may maybe maybe um Jeff Bridges. Yeah, <laughs> And then Tony becomes pissed off. Is like, no, I I, I own it now. Me, I'm the or villain. Maybe they and do. Maybe they do Justin Hammer in the first one instead. Well, may, maybe because I was thinking that uh, Tony becomes the Iron Monger. Yeah, yeah, that's that's an interesting twist. And then and then for some reason because Steve is uh, retiring as as well because he's an eighty year old man as well, and. <laughs> And so, so they give the Iron Man suit maybe to Brody as well. So there's a little tiff between uh, between them as well. Like instead of him becoming um, War Machine or the Iron Patriot, uh, he he becomes Iron Man. And so, so their 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 um, friendship becomes ruined. So Tony becomes the the the, the villain. <laughs> Interesting. And he doesn't sacrifice himself. Uh, at the end of Endgame, and, and we're all fucked, <laughs> and we're all fucked, and we don't get that terrific send off of him that made me cry like a fucking baby. Mm, <laughs> me too. Yeah. When he said to his little, it was that, and we have no Morgan either. Oh, does that mean what he doesn't get with Pepper Potts? He doesn't get with Pepper Potts because oh. you know. Well, that's all right because she wouldn't you know. have started working for him if that was the case. Probably, no. Mm. no. Or maybe yeah, an true. assistant, and then she she sees him of who he truly is, and then leaves. So true. And and we don't get and we don't get love you three thousand. Yeah, true. All right, I'm liking your 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 version of this less and less. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's my cynical bit. No, I love it. I love it though. Uh, I think that's really tra- interesting. Because I was trying to think how how that will work. Uh, uh, otherwise, Ebediah Stain becomes evil. Anyway, so well, so maybe Tony has to fight against him to get get the uh, get get the company back. Uh, anyway, yeah, so. <laughs> no, it could be could be interesting. Um, but yeah, you you did mention something pretty pivotal. One of the uh, interesting and important things. That happens uh, is also the fact that um, Bucky does not die, uh, quote unquote, does not fall off the train and um, does not get captured by Hydra um, and turned into the Winter Soldier. Um, and it, although they did make a cheeky reference to it, um, where um, Bucky, voiced by Sebastian Stan, of course, um, says, "You almost ripped my arm off." To Peggy, yeah, <laughs> when she pulls him back on the train, uh, I thought that was interesting. Um, but I, but I did think for half a second that they were going to maybe do a Steve Rogers as a Winter Soldier because they had the train kind of as this trap, so Red Skull could actually get the Tesseract after all. Um, so yeah, and, and we all which, thought that Steve Rogers died at the end of that explosion. Yeah, I thought he, I thought he died, but then I thought I literally, really thought they were going to do Steve as the Winter Soldier, but then that didn't happen. So um, yeah, why um, would you? What do you mean? Why would I? Oh, why would you? Why would you let Steve Rogers become the Winter Soldier? He's a weedy little kid. I, I <laughs> from don't, Brooklyn. I don't. Is well, that- 
I mean, I'm going to get you. Give him a vibranium arm, I guess. I don't know. Well, I just, I don't know. I just thought, I just, I just had that feeling because of that parallel between, you know, sort of Bucky dying, dying yeah, yeah. Off with the train and everything. It was fucking um, Steve. So. So Winter Soldier is going to be a five foot two midget with, with just. <laughs> All right, look, you're picking out flaws in my plan I hadn't seen. So <laughs> it's all right. You can figure out flaws with, with me with Tony Stark being the bad guy. Nah, I'm okay. <laughs> I also written down the moon landing actually started in the 40s. Yeah, okay. It probably would have happened earlier. If, if because Howard if you Stark. got because you because if they still had the tesseract, then technology would have gone. Yeah, a lot sooner. Yeah. Yeah, like 20 years sooner. This is true. Although, I mean, they did have didn't wasn't Shield in possession of the Tesseract from like in the main MCU? Wasn't like from from a first Avenger? Or am I misremembering? It was still in the ice. So, but didn't Howard Stark pull it out of the ice when they were look they were looking for Steve? I swear to God, at the end of First Avenger, they're looking for Steve. And they find the test. Unless I'm, I'm fucking. Rem- I must be remembering this wrong. I'm sure some people are listening to this and screaming at me right now, because I'm also having a flashback to like them in 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 some movie, maybe in Avengers. They're talking about pulling him out of the ice and pulling the test out at the same time. But I don't know. I can't. No. Remember. I can't remember. No. I feel like they were no. two separate events. Captain Marvel. Yeah. They, they had it then. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, thank you. There we go. So I am right. Yeah, I doubted myself. What an idiot. Um, no, I made you doubt, doubt yourself. <laughs> no, that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay. So yeah, no, the Howard Stark. Yeah. So Shield, Shield had the Tesseract, and that's how yeah Marvel ended up getting yeah. a hold of it in the nineties. But the still, 80s. but still, they didn't have to go searching for it. No. In the, in the ocean. No. They still had it. So. Yeah. I'm still right. In a way. Well, the Tesseract was still in the ocean, though. No, it wasn't. Yeah, it, it went down. Didn't it go down with the ship? No, 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 no. In the in in the oh, in, in what the if Cap- in Captain Carter's dimension? Oh yeah, no, that didn't happen. That was no. That no, that's not what I'm talking about. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking about the technology would be um, more more uh, advanced uh, in the piggy in the Captain Carter timeline. In the Captain Carter t- but if they, timeline. But if they found the... Both timelines found the Tesseract around the same time. It didn't go in the ocean. Yeah, but didn't Howard Stark, like, find it not long after the I events of like First Avenger? I feel like we're going around in circles right now. <laughs> I, I'm, ta- I'm talking about the episode that we're watching. Yeah, I know. In this particular timeline. I don't know, I know, I know. But, 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 but you're saying that because of the, the, the events of this particular timeline, uh, having the Tesseract... When they have it, yes. technology would advance. But in yes. in the main timeline, they in had, the main timeline, they yes, had they this, had to try and find it. They no, but not for very long. They literally Howard Stark fucking pulled the Tesseract out at the what? end of First Avenger. I swear to fucking God. Within a week. Yes, it was right after, wasn't it? I don't know. Oh, fuck, I'm googling it. Just like <laughs> because. Nerd fight right here. <laughs> Nerd fight. Nerd fight right here. Oh god. Anyway, it's an um actually off. Yeah, <laughs> um actually off. Uh, when did Howard Stark pull 
the tesseract out of the ocean MCU. Thanks for out with one O. That'd be nice. Um, da -da 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 -da. Where are we? Yeah, there we go. Um, oh, this one article's talking about how it goes from uh, being in Captain Marvel. Um, Howard Stark found the Tesseract in the ocean while searching for Steve Rogers. It was placed in SSR storage alongside numerous other items from Hydra. And when S.H.I.E.L.D. was created, they acquired all of the old SSR bases and items within them. Um, cut to Project Pegasus, which is where Marvel comes in. It was um, around in the 70s because that's, that's where they got it from when they did the time heist. Uh, yeah, it was in storage. Yeah. So they so, hadn't done anything with it. So I'm, I'm right. <laughs> yeah, but when did they find it? Like, like how long after? Okay, let me... Let if me it was during the 70s, then there would have been no. a 30-year window. Well, that's what I mean. Like, why didn't they... Why didn't... Why wouldn't technology... Because you make a good point. Like, technology should be advanced, right? Um, in, the, in that particular timeline, yes. Yeah, yeah, Howard Stark did pick up the Tesseract at the end of Captain America. Um, da da da. Where are we? Give me. Um, so we all know the Tesseract was hidden on Earth for a long time until Red Skull found it during World War II. His intention was to use it to make powerful weapons. After Red Skull disappeared, Captain America sacrificed himself at the end, took the Tesseract with him in the freezing ice. Sometime I this fucking it just says sometime after the events of Captain America how it starts. But we know it's but where we see it, it's in the seventies. So there's a thirty year window. <sighs> yeah. Surely in the forties they didn't have the technology to go into the ocean. Well but but Howard Stark looks like like he doesn't look like fucking John Slattery. He looks like fucking Dominic Cooper when he does it. So I know that's not my fault. Fully <laughs> <laughs> uh, is probably hating this right now. Like, can we get back to the the main timeline? We still, we of the still have another episode to talk about too. We do. <laughs> we do. Um, after Red Skull was transported off Earth, Tesseract burned its way through the villain's aircraft, fell the ocean floor, didn't stay there for long. How Stark, um, who'd already studied some Tesseract earlier, energy earlier in Captain America First Avenger, with explosive results, recovered the cube as World War II ended. There is your timeline. Okay. When so World War II in, ended, in 45, so. he found it. All right, fine. Okay. Uh, apparently, he studied the Tesseract in the following years. Um, uh, as he had an illustration of it in his notes and it helped him discover a new element which is what Tony would use um, for his um, arc reactor replacement in Iron Man 2 okay okay there we go and then 1980s is when um, Marvel shows up and Project Peg Pegasus is formed so they don't touch the fucking Tesseract for 30 plus years so there's still that window but for some reason there's no advancement of technology no, oh, okay. and there's no explanation as to why. Because yes, I I agree with you. You make a very good point, but I was just like, no. I was hoping for something <laughs> interesting, and then I got something boring. Yeah, sorry, I ruined, 
I ruined the fun. All right. Yeah. Anyway, that's that's enough of that. <laughs> Sorry okay, for all Marvel you. sucks. All right. No, 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 no. If they're not going to have that opportunity to actually explore into something that's actually more interesting than not, then fuck it. <laughs> fuck it. Who um, cares? Okay. All right. Let's let's wrap up this episode one discussion uh, with uh, our thoughts on the final battle sequence um, where uh, Peggy and Steve take the fight to uh, and the Howling Commandos take the fight to Red Skull himself, um, who has uh, figured out a way to conjure an actual Hydra beast using the Tesseract, which I found eh, interesting. I kind of understand <laughs> it now, but at the time I was like, that doesn't make sense. Because like, he didn't know in First Avenger, he didn't know where the fuck, like what the fuck the Tesseract really was, apart from it, it, something incredibly powerful, because he was so surprised when he like held it and it was like transporting him away. He's like, what the fuck? Um, but yeah, he somehow used the carving on the wall in Tonsberg, Norway, to actually help him conjure a Hydra. Um, he which, unleashed the Kraken. He unleashed the Kraken, literally, <laughs> and it looked awesome. Um, but then he was immediately crushed, and I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> he was crushed by his own hu- hubris. He was crushed by his own hubris. Yeah, um, yeah. But I really love that whole final sequence the episode uh and then just the yeah the way it all ended interestingly with um peggy doing the sacrifice thing um and going through uh you know pushing the the monster back through the portal that the tesseract had opened and uh randomly ending up in avengers 2012 for some reason yeah it was cool it was cool as fuck, and I love the parallel, especially because it was like the same setup from when Loki arrives at the start of Avengers One, and even Nick Fury has the same dialogue, like "Put down the weapon." Um, I thought that was cool, um, but I just didn't fully understand why that happened. But it was an interesting way to kind of have that parallel between, okay, well, how if Peggy's not going in ice, how does she get to twenty twelve? She went through space and time. She, she, yeah, apparently yeah. you can time travel with the Tesseract. Um, but yeah, I loved it. Fulia, what did you what did you think of the way this episode ended? Um, I think it ended really cool. Uh, just with that whole battle sequence, and you know the fact that it was up to Captain Carter to make sure that this thing, this beast, did not get completely through the portal. Um, the fact that she also got the chance to use the shield, uh, made it pretty awesome as well in just sort of push back this beast. And I'm, I am kind of like you, Kendall, in the sense that I was a little confused as to how she got to 2012, but the beast wasn't there. Well, she, when, when she comes out of the other side, there's bits of tentacle that are cut off. Hmm. When she yeah. comes, when she reappears, but yeah, right, but you, but you my, so I think my, she killed it somehow, and I, I yeah, I was no, but my thought was more so that she would have gone through to where that beast was, mm. and would have had to battle it out there, but she didn't, and so I was just a bit, oh yeah, felt right. like something was missing. Yeah, yeah, it's like something just got like chopped out, I suppose, um, and but. Overall, like it was, it was still pretty cool to see, um, you know, her fighting and having Steve help her out as well. 
Um, yeah, I love them as Which a was really cool. Yeah. And, yeah, just just the fact that Steve actually got the opportunity to still be part of this episode um, significantly, even if he wasn't the main character. Um, and it just, it, it, did, it made me happy that he was still a part of that whole battle sequence as well. So, yeah. Mm, and voiced very well by um, Josh Keaton. Um, mm, not mm. Chris, not Chris Evans, um, uh, sadly, but he did a very, I think he did a very good job of yeah. fill, filling Cap's shoes for this one. Definitely. Yeah. Or should I say, should I say Steve's shoes? Cause he's not Cap in this one. <laughs> um, Mike, your thoughts on the, the ending? I really liked it because I love I love HP HP Lovecraft and yeah. <laughs> opening a portal into a macroverse is awesome and especially when it's got tentacles. Yes, <laughs> very it cool. Very, it was very cool. Um, and, and you know, Hydra get a Hydra. It's it may it makes a lot of sense. Um, and yeah, I I do have a bit of a theory of what actually happened. I think. I think because instead of like um, opening a portal to uh, wherever in this, uh, in, wherever in this universe, like like that's how Loki used it from getting to where he was with um, Thanos and all, all that to getting to uh, 2012, where 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 he is in 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 the base uh, in Pegasus, and. I think they. Uh, I think um, Red Skull probably opened up a different, a, a, a different dimension, basically. Like like we sort of saw it with the, um, where oh what's it called the um, where Ant Man goes in, the the a quantum realm and the quantum realm. I think I think they're sort of setting up like different realms, maybe because they're not necessarily in different parts of the universe it's in their own pocket universe so, sort of thing so she's probably went into a into a realm with the with the hydra beast uh, hi, uh, the, the wee beastie kill, kills it and then comes out the other end and no time has passed for her except for where she was so there's so there's different times go, going on it's a bit like that rick and morty episode where they get where in, where Rick Rick yeah. wants the um, wine, wine to age. Okay, I'm with you so, now. So it's a bit like that. Like that makes sense. That's why it's uh, different from the portal that he usually does because it's usually not traveling through time. It's going into a different uh, pocket reality where where time is actually traveling uh, a lot quicker or a lot slower in that in that particular thing. So you know, it's funny. It just made me think of. Of, of Doc Brown, like, you're not thinking fourth dimensionally. <laughs> in a way. In a way. Just because, yeah, just because, like, I didn't consider the fact that she's just gone into it and then because of the way time moves, how relative it is to where you are and whatever, it's just, she's just, when she's come out, it just happens to be, yeah, 2012. So that's a, yeah, good point. Yeah, that's because I think fourth dimensionally. Yes, you do. Because I'm a fourth dimensional being. Woo! I have three eyes. <laughs> One in the center of my head. And yeah. Um, nice. Yeah, kind of cool. And then whatever Steve did for the, for the remainder 80, no, 60 years, 70, 60, 70, 70 whatever. You know, whatever, how many years, you know. 
maybe had a relationship with Bucky. <laughs> Stucky forever. Yeah. <laughs> and then Tumblr rejoiced. Uh, yeah. And there was once rejoicing from Tumblr. Yay. Yay. Ah, uh, good stuff. Yeah. All right. Love it. I think that'll that'll wrap up episode one discussion um, because we really need to get into episode two of this um, shindig we like to call What If, and that is uh, what if T'Challa became Star-Lord. Um, and just going to say off the bat, I fucking loved this episode, in case it's not already clear. Um, <laughs> from the times I've mentioned it throughout this episode, uh, I, I, yeah, I thought it was miles ahead of, of, of the, of the first episode. Like I, I'm starting to like the first episode more, the like more I think about it and just after that discussion, um, that was a good discussion. So that's made me kind of enjoy it a bit more. Um, but it, it, it was great, but this was just, this is kind of more my bag, I think. Um, like, I love the, you know, sci-fi stuff that the MCU does and brings and um, to kind of revisit the MCU in a different way, like revisit the Guardians in a different way, uh, sort of, without having the Guardians of the Galaxy, really, because we're just kind of hanging out with the Ravagers. Um, but just, you know, it's just, just a cool concept of, like, you know, what if what if they took T'Challa instead of Peter Quill? What would actually go down? Um, the probably the only thing I I had to say that I didn't like about it, maybe, and I don't know if you guys agree with me that maybe that they kind of made T'Challa this kind of like Mary Sue person who can't can't really do anything wrong. Like ev- he just everything he touches turns to gold, sort of thing. Um, which is not entirely a bad thing, and I'm probably just nitpicking, but I don't know. Did it? Did either of you get that vibe that it was a bit like, okay, we get it, he's awesome, sort of thing at all? Fulia, any thoughts on that? Um, look, to be honest, the fact that he he was abducted at a when he was a child, I thought growing up with the Ravagers, he his his personality, his behavior would have been a bit more akin to them. To the way yeah. that they behaved. Yeah. So the fact that he continued to behave as if he was still in Wakanda, still this this royal person, it, it kind of did go a little bit, um, like, for me, just sort of went off for me. Like, I wasn't sure in, in that sort of sense, the behavior sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when you sort of think about it, you know, you want to stick to the whole, you know, if he... When he, if he, he probably just you know kept his family in the back of his mind, um, yeah, and the whole thing about you know the fact that they that he wanted to go back and then he was lied about, which we'll get to later, um, like his father is he really loves his family and he's especially his father. So in that sense, that's probably why he did, he kept his persona the same when he got uh, older. Yeah, uh, that there's that and the fact that um his outfit is very much Wakandan inspired. Yeah. Like Black Panther inspired almost. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So in that sense I I kind of understand why they decided to keep it that way. Yeah. Um but my my brain's logic would have thought well if he's being abducted at, from a child 
he would have be he would have at least behaved the same way as the Ravagers by the time he became an adult. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. No, no, that makes no. <laughs> that's a really good point. Um, yeah. Mike, do you have any like anything interesting to add your interpretation of of what we're saying or? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I think because um, he he was born to rule. He was he's been he's been trained up basically to become king. Yeah. So he he needs to have certain lessons uh, from from his father and and his teachers and say this is how a ruler rules. So so you can sort of see that like coming through of what he would do as Star Lord, and we sort of see it go on in this episode where he he's made a lot of changes, especially for the Ravengers. They're not they're not like pilfering thieves or anything like that, like we saw in Guardians of the Galaxy. They've they've become Robin Hood basically. Rub the rich and feed the poor, that sort sort of thing. So you you can sort of see his his um his leadership coming through, where he yeah he sort he's he, instead of becoming the king that that he was meant to be, he he needs to be like a a a person who uh rule basically rules with an iron fist and more diplomatic and anything like that. And it's yes, it would be a complete opposite to Peter Quill, who came from came from like a broken home. He his mother died of cancer, and and he's all distraught as a kid. And he was taken by by these group of guys who are very very bad influence. So um, you can sort of see like the bad influence sort of um, uh, feeding off each other, and and we sort of got the Star Lord that. That we sort of see with Guardians of the Galaxy, um, and with that, of course, of the what if I actually quite like what they, especially with these two episodes, they sort of show show like the different things that they can do, like um, with the um, Captain Carter is basically the story that we know, but with different elements where with this one it's not necessarily going with a story that we know it's a completely new story that that we haven't seen but it's own, but because they start off with okay this is the this is particular uh what if scenario but a lot of time has passed and now we're now we're chucked into this story where it's completely different it's a, it's sort of like what i was talking about if tony stark was um if Tony Stark was evil, maybe, yeah, uh, because of because if Howard Stark became uh, made Iron Man before him, what would happen in in a future generation sort of thing? So I kind of like both both stories that they've kind of they're, they're doing, and mm-hmm. and the sort of different sort of story elements that they're doing. Uh, what else? I, I think that's it. Okay, I'm think I'm thinking, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, you make a really good point there too because, like, yeah, the only kind of things that are are similar here in this episode to how it played out in the main timeline is, like, the fact that the Ravagers have come to Earth to bring back one of Ego's offspring Um, and then, you know, they just happened to grab the wrong one because, you know, uh, Yondu decided that, oh, let's let let Taserface and Kraglin figure this out because that went so well um and then of course when we first meet uh t'challa in this episode um yeah like adult t'challa um yeah he's he's doing the same scene from 
uh, Guardians 1 on Morag going after the Power Stone. Um, so, yeah. Um, and then we get that I fucking lost it. Korath <laughs> losing his shit over uh, <laughs> over Star Lord, the legendary outlaw. Should we be bowing or should I kneel? Like, like I just he thought- annoyed the crap out of me. <laughs> <laughs> You're not the only person that said that to me. Someone else was like, "Okay, this is a bit grating now. They need to stop it." But I thought it was fucking hilarious. Well, um, this show is for a younger audience. You can sort of see it get away with that, like yeah. the annoying character. True. I I just loved it just so much because it just, you know, because it's such a, a big deal to Peter in Guardians 1 that, like, he thinks he's hot shit because he's Star-Lord and, like, he thinks he's this, you know, he even says it's like, come on, man, I'm Star-Lord, legendary outlaw. Like, why haven't you heard of me? Um, and then here, you know, fucking... Korath is the one that says it. It's like, this is Star-Lord, the legendary outlaw. Robs from the rich and gives to the poor and all that stuff. Like, mm. I just I just loved that, the way that they kind of subverted that expectation and turned it into something humorous. I just I, I just thought it was really cool. But I can understand why. Because, like, Korath is kind of fanboying the entire episode. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and calling so- call T'Challa his best friend. I know. <laughs> Everyone he talks to, oh, yeah, we are best friends. <laughs> it's pretty good. <laughs> and the fact that he, you know, he gets to become a Ravager um, in the episode as well. Even though after, t- like, I kind of, that whole fight sequence was very amusing. Just because, you know, like, T'Challa's, like, moving around like fucking Neo from the Matrix. And, and, <laughs> and Korath's like, I'm, I don't want to hurt you, but I'm going to hurt you. Like, we're going to do it this and way. And T'Challa's just like, oh, I'm giving you permission. You may hit me. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I just thought it was really funny. But Fulia, you, you, didn't, you didn't enjoy that as much as me? Well, yeah. Well, that particular character just really got on my nerves. Like, that first scene, was it was okay, okay. Um, because it was the first time. But then... Because he then recruited him and then he became one of the Ravagers and the whole episode, he's just being the same fanboy, you know, saying, oh, yeah, me and T'Challa, we're best mates and all that sort of stuff to everyone he freaking talks to. It just got on my nerves. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. Mike, did it, did it bother you at all or did you like it? Uh, I didn't like it, but it didn't bother me. I mean, it... it they're sort of setting up like um, the faux um, guardians of the galaxy sort of, sort of thing with with this ragtag group of people, including a particular character, which we may segue into. I think we may segue into <laughs> perhaps the the best part of the episode, uh, the most funny and the most just God why. Um, <laughs> Is the fact that um, to this this is one of the reasons why I was kind of like, really, T'Challa's that good. He he's capable of this, um, but I suppose you know um, it it kind of tracks. But but yeah, basically because T'Challa became Star Lord, uh, he talked Thanos out of uh, uh, of getting all the Infinity Stones and uh, wiping out half of all existence. So because he you know him. He he reasoned with him and showed showed him that there was a different way to distribute resources and and, and all of that across the the universe. And I was just I, I 
I was dying. I was sitting there watch- listening to this dialogue, just laughing and laughing. It was so funny. But at the same time, part of me was dying and on, on the inside. And I'm like, okay, well, but then not dying because like, okay, well, my man's still alive in this universe. So that's fine. <laughs> um, so that worked out okay. But still, it was just like, only if someone had gotten to him sooner. <sighs> but yeah, I thought that was hilarious. And then the fact that Korath called him Captain Genocide. <laughs> Pretty fucking fantastic. Um, Fulia, what did you think of... Thanos, the good guy. Oh, man. My jaw dropped when I saw him. Yeah. <laughs> Especially because, like, like, Josh Brolin, too. Yeah. Know? Yeah. And I'm like, wait, what's going on now? <laughs> he doesn't want to hurt people? What? <laughs> um, yeah, I just... Yeah. I didn't know what to say. I was like... I don't know if I like this at all. <laughs> That's fair. But then you That's see, totally then you see, then you see Nebula. She has I hair. I know. And she's Strange. not all robot. It's just her eye. <laughs> it's just one eye. Uh, that's robotic. And the rest of her is still flesh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it was interesting um, to see that. Um, but yeah, it's like I'm speechless. I, <laughs> I I don't have I don't know how to comprehend this. <laughs> I can't even. I can't. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty pretty crazy. Mm. Uh, and and I think just a really good example of what these what th- this show is capable of in terms yeah. of kind of subverting expectations and and doing different versions of characters. Yeah. Um, you know, putting different spins on them um, in certain ways, turning them into good guys or turning them into bad guys. Like, it's, it's just, yeah, it's very creative <laughs> and I really liked it a lot. Mike, I'm dying to know, did you love Captain Genocide as much as I did? Um. <laughs> as much as we did? If you like Genocide, that's your, that's your own hey, business. That's not what I said. Yeah, not what I said. Um, yeah, <laughs> unfortunately, it it was spoiled to me. Ah, oh, uh, boo. But not what you think. Um, no. I read the opening credits. Oh, same thing happened to oh, me. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I said that, I think, I'm pretty sure I said that in my Ramble video too. I'm like, because I know actors' names, I saw the names of the, like, the Black Order specifically. And I was mm. like, okay. Shit's going down. And then, because, yeah, we saw Josh Brolin's name in the credits, too. Like, yeah. What? God damn it. <laughs> Thanos is going to be in this. I thought it was just going to be the Collector. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, because Thanos ain't mad Titan Thanos, there's going to be a power vacuum. And, yeah, and we get the villain that we that we have in this particular episode. Um, Yeah, kind of cool. You know, and... <laughs> uh, because cause knowing knowing what I thought well, this is going to be, you know, for the younger audience, it's, it's going to be a bit of fun. So so not to be taken too seriously. I mean, it is canon, but not canon. But it's still a lot of fun. And, yeah, and getting Josh Brolin to do, do his um, magnificent voice, it's great. Um, and he's and he's a farmer. And he's a... And he's a... And he's a... He's a dad. <laughs> <laughs> 
And his adopted daughter. Whoo, hello. <laughs> <laughs> when did Nebula turn into Jessica Rabbit in space? <laughs> Especially with the hair. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of cool. The uh, Nebula get, um, sort of becomes like this uh, this character that it's pre- pretty awesome. Um, I mean, I like Nebula in Guardians of the Galaxy, but this one she's sort of um, having a lot of fun with it. And you can sort of see her and D'Challa having a bit of, you know, a bit of chemistry. Yeah, there were some vibes there. She was calling him Cha-Cha. Yeah, um, and, uh, and I saw like a... Um, a guy doing a sort of a deep down. It's like, how does this happen? How how did Thanos become good? Well, you can sort of see with um, if T'Challa and, and Nebula are sort of having a relationship, he he probably get got the got the lowdown with what what her stepdad is is sort of like. So you can sort of him doing a cross examination with with her is like, okay, what? Well, how, how's your dad? Is he is he cool? Is he all right? It's like, nah, he's a bit of a dick. And it's like and. And they still have that sort of dickish relationship that they have. And it's like, yeah, we're adopted. Um, and no Gamora, which is going to be, which is a bit interesting. Mm. So it's probably before Gamora or maybe after Gamora. We don't know. We don't, no, get, we don't. We don't get to see her. So. No. And yeah. Things are different. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, awesome. Really good stuff. Um, yeah, well, of course, I mean, you mentioned there's a bit of a power vacuum going on. So uh, there is one uh, character who de- uh, decided to fill that void, fill that vacuum. Uh, and and did he fill it? My God, did he ever fill? <laughs> I never, I never, I never realized he was that buff. He wasn't like that in the in the MCU. No, no. no. <laughs> well, he he's now a kingpin of sorts. So I suppose <laughs> he's he's enlarged himself somehow. Um, yeah, the collector uh, Tanlia Tavan is our big bad for this episode. Um, he is kind of. Uh, it's just, it's just like an extra villainous version of his of his character that we've seen previously, um, because he now has the uh, the Black Order under him instead of uh, they're not the children of Thanos in this they they're working for him, um, so that's pretty interesting and uh, and and yeah and he basically just has a shitload of weapons. Um, and, and beings and, and entities at his disposal, because he is the collector after all, but because he's extra bad, like, somehow he managed to get Cap Shield and Mjolnir and Hela's, uh... Helmet! Helmet slash crown and her sword and everything, like, there's just, it's just insane. I would love to know how he was able to conquer, um, some of Earth's mightiest heroes. Uh, and some of their mightiest foes. Um, very interesting, but very cool. Uh, I really, I really loved the collector stuff. Fulia, did you enjoy um, seeing a different side of the collector in this episode? I found it amusing. Yeah, <laughs> especially when he got into went into the fight scenes, and the moment he brought out Hella's helmet, I'm like, no way that. <laughs> <laughs> he puts it on, and I'm like, that does not suit you. Take it off. Take it off. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the fact that that 
that helmet actually gives him Hela's weapon power, I suppose, where she's got all the daggers and stuff that shoot yeah. out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's able to wield that weapon as well. And I'm just like, that's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, when he opened up that drawer to get the helmet... And then I saw Captain Shield, and I'm like, oh, how did he get that? <laughs> he defeated Earth. Oh, no. Um, but, yeah, like, the the Collector was really, really just amusing to me. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. He's definitely amusing. Mike, did he amuse you in the same way? Uh, yeah, it was definitely <laughs> funny. Um but it's it's also interesting that if yeah as I said the the power vacuum is there, how far did he reach? Because um, he's got like his his gang with him, so he probably collects a bit more. It's it, his collection is actually growing uh, and forever growing, and it looks like he's basically ta- taking things from uh, like the Earth's mightiest heroes, like. What the fuck happened on Earth that happened there? Does that does that mean he took on the Avengers and and he won? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And and also when he was in that uh, when T'Challa was in that sort of um, car park where wherever it is like docking bay, um, there's there's also a couple of ships there as well as Hank Pym's sort of rover that he went into. Went into the um, the the realm thing, quantum realm. Yeah, the quantum realm. So, did he? Can he travel through time as well? So, so he got more stuff in time. It's I a bit of know. a bit of a very high powered sort of villain that can travel through anywhere and just not necessarily like conquering, just the sake of conquering, just collecting shit. Mm. That's a that's a really cool cool um, sort of villain that you have. Is like he. He's just there to collect, not to conquer, really. Like who, who says that he he killed like um, Captain America or or even Thor? Um, maybe he just took their shit. <laughs> yeah, but like, how does he get Mjolnir though? Um, I don't know. Cause like, cause he's he picks not worthy. Up, he picks it up with sticks. <laughs> like he, he, he's got like two pairs of sticks and he picks them he up put, he puts it in an elevator <laughs> yeah elevator's not worthy uh funny um yeah yeah no cool it's pretty cool he's pretty cool um I one other thing I really liked about this episode that I want to mention before we kind of start to wrap up um is just the fact that they were able to like the emotional stakes were also pretty good. Like, well, like this, I feel like this episode really balanced the tone of, you know, the more serious stuff. Not that there was a lot, cause you're right, Mike, this is kind of skewed as a, at a younger audience. Um, but the way it was able to balance the humor with some of the drama and the action, I think was really seamless. Um, and yeah. And of course I'm talking about the, um, the, the stuff between T'Challa and Yondu and, Mm. Him, him lying about you know knowing that Wakanda's actually okay, um, yeah. Like I thought that was an interesting kind of a of a conflict um, between the two of them throughout this episode, and it was nice to see that even despite um, you know it being T'Challa and not Peter Quill, 
Yondu is still kind of like a father figure to T'Challa in a way. Although there, he seems to like T'Challa a lot more in this. <laughs> um, but again, that's probably just because it's T'Challa and not Peter. Uh, so that's a little bit different. But but yeah, um, I I kind of that that moment where T'Challa walks on to the the um, Wakandan starship, and the, we get the music from Black Panther starts playing, and like mm. he's he's realizing he's been lied to and stuff. And and I I just yeah I just I love that whole that whole dynamic of this episode because um, you know then it brings us full circle by the end you know they, he returns to Wakanda at the end um, after all these years. Fulia, did you did you like the the stuff between T'Challa and Yondu? Yeah, it was uh, it was an interesting like the um, the conversations that they've had throughout this episode has been really really interesting. Um, but you know, I kind I kind of like felt for for T'Challa when she, he found out that he's just he's been lied to this whole time. Um, but at the same time, you know, Yondu was just trying to do his bit as the father figure, and just to you know, knowing that when he, if he ever did decide to go back, then it'd be, I don't know, maybe he just didn't want him to go back because he was really enjoying his company and just being able to, you know, teach him the ways of the Ravages is something that he's probably wanted to do. And that's why he's like, well, this is what's happened and lied to T'Challa about it. So in that instance, it's like, I kind of understand where Yondu was coming from, but at the same time, it's like, well, you can't just do that to the kid, knowing mm. that you know his actual father's still alive. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, it was it was interesting to see uh, all that sort of blow up. Um, but yeah. I think it's it's actually that's just made me think. It's kind of an maybe a sort of a parallel between the fact that um, Yondu didn't. Yondu also kept Peter from his real dad as well, mm. um, you know, because he, f- obviously for different reasons, I mean, he found out that, um, you know, Ego was killing all of his sons because they weren't part celestial like he wanted them to be. Um, so he was sparing him from that. But then, yeah, but there was also just, just in general, the fact that, yeah, he was like, I, no, I want you to stay with me um, is, is similar. Yeah, because mm. you make me a better person. Basically, yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Exactly. So, so like Yondu sort sort of learnt from Dechala as well as Dechala learnt from Yondu about the universe. Basically, so it's sort of a sort of a match made. So, it's still it's still involved like the father figure as well. It's kind of cool that they still kept kept that even from even in this particular episode because I re- yeah because in. Guardians of the Galaxy, I just love that sort of dynamic as well uh, between Peter and, and, and Yondu as well. It's like, you ain't, he may be your father boy, but he ain't your daddy. Exactly. Yeah. So great. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, and I'm sure I'm sure we, 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 we can't miss the duck in the room. Yes. No, no, <laughs> no. Um, yeah, before we absolutely finish our discussion, um, how would the duck, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Seth Green making his esteemed return as uh, as that wonderful character, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I I thought that was hysterical. I loved it. Lost my shit as well over that. Uh, and just the fact that T'Challa's like, oh yeah, you can show me around the place and help me find the, the embers of Genesis, our MacGuffin of the episode. Um <laughs> And uh, yeah, it was just it was just awesome just to just to see more Seth Green do the voice and um, and what you know I don't know just to see Howard the Duck kind of be more Howard the Duck um, in this like more than we've seen so far and yeah I thought that was I thought it was awesome. Fulia, did you find that funny when he he came into it? <laughs> yeah, I I liked him. Like, I thought it was literally just going to be this whole, oh, yeah, he's just going to give T'Challa directions and then T'Challa's just, just going to run off. But T'Challa was just like, I'm not going to be able to keep all that in my head. You come with me. <laughs> and he quacked. And he quacked. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then all of a sudden he needed another. He needed a pit stop for another drink. He found a bar. Yeah. It's happy hour. <laughs> happy hour. <laughs> um, That's Howard for you. Yeah, I I kind of liked Howard. Um, I kind of wish we had him for a little bit longer, but you same, know, same. You know, it was it's nice to short. have what we got. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. Mike, I'm sure you loved this. Yeah, I can't really add to it. I just, for some reason, I just really enjoyed this. Uh, uh, it, the both references in Guardians one and two, as well as the little itty bitty cameo in in um, Endgame as well. Yeah, where, true. He where he's this small little duck that comes out comes out of the portal with a gun. Yeah. <laughs> so he was there too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nice to have like um, just a little bit of more Howard the Duck. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and and Cosmo as well. Yeah. And Cosmo, yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's cool to see Cosmo again too. Um, yeah, it's just really, really awesome. Um, all right, yes? But first, before we really, really finish, the ultimate power vacuum, ego. <laughs> yeah. yeah, oh, that, that little <laughs> bit at the end, oh my goodness. That was great. Um, setting something up maybe? Mm. I don't know. Like, are these episodes standalone, or are they going to be connecting down the track? Um, I, th- I guess we'll find out. But I really liked. I, I feel like they are set maybe setting something up just because, yeah. Or, or unless it was just like a throwaway to be like, well, you know, now that Peter Quill isn't Star Lord, um, he's it may be more easily corruptible. Although I kind of argued in my ramble video that maybe he's not. Um, so. Yeah, but yeah, interesting, interesting, and cool to hear Kurt Russell as well uh, <laughs> reprising his role. Yeah, I was wondering Ego. when he was gonna pop up because I saw his name in the in the the beginning intro credits, and I'm just like, oh, cool. So we're gonna meet, um, you know, Ego, but he didn't pop up until that that little bit at the end, and I'm just like, oh, one line. Really? One yeah, line? one line. One Earth line. is screwed. Yeah. That's why. That's why I'm thinking there's probably going to be more to it than that. Yeah, okay. that's fair. Elaborate. I think. I think all the. Uh, I think all these timelines are going to collide. Okay, multiversal war, maybe. Secret war. Secret war. That, that's cool. Because the Secret War is not necessarily for the Scrolls; it's also for the ultimate battle between universes. That's true. 
So so you've got different variations of like Thor against Thor and, and it's just going to be absolutely fucking nuts. Oh, this is yeah. Be good. Yeah. Because, yeah, yeah. Because Chadwick Boseman is also doing other voices in other episodes as well. Oh, cool. It's That's gonna, good. Like this is not going to be his only hurrah. It's just going it, this one is his main um episode. Because he's yeah. in it as the yeah. main, yeah. main Star Lord, mm. and I, I have to say, why is the universe shitting on Peter Quill like a lot? I know, I felt the same way. I was like, wow, they're really going out of the way to just make Peter Quill the worst. Like, it's so funny. That's why I'm thinking number three is probably going to be like the best that Peter is going to be. He's going to finally yeah. grow up. Yeah. And say, so, you know what? I don't need to be Star Lord. I I need to be Peter. Yeah. Because fighting demons True. with his mum in the first one, fighting demons with with his dad in the second one, the other one's going to be him. He's going to work on himself. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Especially if he wants Gamora to love him. You know, this new Gamora who he who doesn't know him. Mm. As well. Yeah. That's no, yeah, no, that's a good argument. I like that. Yeah, I I always think it's probably going to be so, something about about Peter in the, in the final final hurrah, as well as Adam Warlock as well. Mm. Yeah, there you could know. be some could be some parallel storytelling with mm. the two of them. Maybe some comparisons going on. Um, yeah, pretty cool. This was an awesome episode. Yes. And I think I think that's that's all we got to mm-hmm. say. Yep. And I think we're done. No I think more we're done. in the tank. All all done. All all done. Hope you guys enjoyed listening to our discussion of episodes one and two of What If. Um, streaming now on Disney Plus, hashtag not sponsored. Mm. Um, stay tuned for our wrap up of episode three next week. Yay! Be very exciting to talk about that uh, but until then i'm going to plug my stuff um because i had two new non-scripted ramble videos go up during the week um of course uh, my my uh in-depth dive into uh what if t'challa became star lord is up on youtube right now and then of course um we had uh, uh, my reaction to the Eternals trailer um, is also live on YouTube. Fred the Alien Productions on YouTube. Uh, please go and check that out. Right now, uh, Fulia, you got a you got a, something pretty cool to plug. Yes, the monthly Alien Freds will be out this week, so please check it out when it comes out. Um, qu- I have to correct you. What? Oh, oh, actually. No, it's this I week. F- I fucked up. <laughs> Shit. I checked it's the not calendar. The first time. No, 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 no. You, you, yeah. And I, you know what's annoying? I did check the calendar, <laughs> and for some reason, my brain went last week. My brain was like, okay, there's two Tuesdays left after this, so we'll have time to. Re-. And I was like, no, no, mm. it's the last Wednesday of every month, Kendall. Tuesday yes. is when we record. You stupid idiot. Oh, I'm so annoyed at myself. I should have just messaged you because I was... 
Anyway, we'll talk about it off here. Sorry, everyone. It's all good. Re- so please that. keep an eye out for the monthly this week. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm so tired. It's all um, good. Yes, please keep an ear out for the monthly. Uh, new episode dropping Wednesday. Yes. Yeah. God damn my stupid brain. Okay. Um, <laughs> that's enough of that, I think. Yep. Um. Are we ready to do the wrapping up of the things and stuff? Yep. Michael? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Ready? One, a two, a three. And, and that, that was, was a podcast, podcast called, called Fred. Fred. Remember to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for the latest Fred content. If you like to listen to Fred the Alien, you can find us on SoundCloud, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts. If you like to watch Fred the Alien, you can head over to youtube.com forward slash Fred the Alien Productions. I've been a Kendall Richardson. I've been a Julio Cantarmajer. And I'm What If Michael Lister was a good public speaker. <laughs> Michael Lister <laughs> And you've just, just experienced A podcast called Fred Thanks for listening everyone Remember to eat yeah. beef Remember to eat Remember beef Get the beef Take care of yourselves. Take Look care of your mental health. Look after each other. Be yep. safe and smart about it. Mm. Yes. What if Freddy lives? What if Freddy dies? But of course, in every dimension, Loki dies. <laughs> no. <laughs> Lokis never die. They survive. God damn it. Especially, <laughs> in, canon. especially in the next episode. Yeah, look, I'm honestly nervous about the <laughs> next episode. What if? Because, uh, yeah, I, I have a feeling my man is gonna be is gonna be in it in some capacity. So excited! But I'm also scared. He's gonna die. No, he's not gonna die. Ah! Hey!